Hello and welcome back to Two Beers, Please, the, the podcast. I guess I don't know if I have to make that differentiate. You know, there's not there's not another Two Beers, Please. But just in case you didn't know you were listening to a podcast, this is the Two Beers, Please podcast. I am Matthew Phillips. I'm joined as always and again with my boy, Yannick. It is nice to be back. We've been back after a, a few month hiatus. I think we figured out our last episode was in May sometimes, but you know, you have to step away sometimes and also life's insane, but it was, it's been nice to take a break. I think both Jan and I kind of, kind of needed to step away. We hadn't really taken a, a break since many breaks here and there, but it was nice to actually just be like, all right, let's, let's watch sports without having to worry about it. And, uh, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I believe Yannick, this is, uh, by your count, it's probably like the start of uh, season 17. <laughs> Season 18, but, you know, I'm glad that you're finally keeping up. Uh, yeah. I really appreciate it. In the off time, Matt's really dedicated himself to the podcast more. So. Knowing where, what season we are. I Honestly, I kind of like to think of this as our, our season two. It's, uh, maybe I there's think sub, so. Subsections of seasons. And now, because now we've taken the break, but we're back. We're ready to rock and roll. And, of course, there's been plenty going on in the sports world, um, particularly champions, being crowned, you got the Lightning repeating as champs. You got Leo Messi finally getting that that first international cup, winning the Copa America, and talk about winning championships. Novak Djokovic has been an, on an absolute tear. He's won three of the four majors. U.S. Open still to be played. Could could do the clean sweep this year and and really you know make his mark on tennis history. Uh, and now we got the Olympics underway. I've got swimming on right now. I don't know which uh, which stroke they're doing, but. Uh, Swimming earlier, I was watching um, some judo, and I watched I watched like both triathlons, which is which is always fun. Um, and then you know, summertime is is coming close to an end, which means football is right around the corner, and uh, we've got some major changes looming in the college football world. Of course, please make sure you're following the Facebook page, Two Beers, please. There's the Twitter, Two BP underscore Podcast, our Instagram. Two beers, please, underscore podcast. And make sure you're subscribed to Anchor, Spotify, iTunes. Leave us a review. Tell us that you just blindly tell us that you love us. Unless, you know, you have got some constructive criticism. But don't don't leave, don't leave any one-star reviews. I don't, I don't We don't have time for that. That's, that's how you manipulate your listeners, right? Right, exactly. I don't, you know, don't one-star review me, just at me, you know? Like, don't yeah. just, just at me and say you don't like me. Don't ruin the review. Just, yeah, just tell me directly on. that you don't like me. <laughs> Attack me as a person. Don't don't hurt our review average, you know, aggregate score because that's that's far more far more important. So you know, as always, when we start our episodes, we, we like to check in, ask how we're feeling at the start of the episode. But Jan, I'd I'd rather just like to ask you how you've been over the last few months. What have you been up to, and and how life's been for you? Life's been weird, man. I mean, I you know, in all honesty, like. I don't have a lot to report. I've just been working and, you know, enjoying the summer, which is nice. I, I went to Miami for a week to visit my grandfather, which was really cool. Um, and yeah, just in, like what you said about enjoying sports, like so true. I, I, the NBA playoffs for me, I have never enjoyed the NBA playoffs as much as I did uh, this year. It was a good playoffs this year. It was a good playoffs in every game I could watch and enjoy. Euros too, so many, I mean, we'll talk about it, so many upsets, so many fun games to watch um, as a, you know, fan of some teams, but also just as like a neutral when when those teams were out. It was just like so much fun to watch. Um, you know, I didn't watch 
hockey playoff hockey playoffs felt a little boring this year. Like I'm, I'm not gonna lie, like the the Canadians whole thing where they went that was cool. Um, but then they lost, and it was like, oh, here we go. Like here are the two teams yeah. which were always gonna be here, and like uh, great. Every- once they got once they got to the Stanley Cup final, it's kind of like I feel like their magic's done. Especially going up against the light, it was like they needed to win like a game or two to to really uh, like make make the finals interesting. But because it, it felt pretty pretty straightforward once we got to that point. I'll agree. Normally, I feel like I enjoy. I mean, I like basketball far more than than hockey. No offense, hockey. I'm just a basketball guy, but I feel like I normally enjoy the NHL playoffs more than the NBA playoffs, but not this year. This was, like I said, this was a really good NBA playoffs. And I always like, I always rail against the idea that like the NBA finals has to be big market team against big market team or like super big superstar. Everyone know, like if LeBron's not in here and LA or New York's not in here, this sucks. And I could not disagree more. Like I, I thought the finals were so much fun this year, having two teams, that neither of them had been there. I mean, Phoenix in I think almost 30 years. Of course, the Bucks in about 50 years. Phoenix had never won one. Milwaukee had won one title 50 year, exactly 50 years ago. I think even like the roster wise, Jay Crowder had been to the finals last year with the Heat. Besides that, not a single player on any of these teams had ever been to the finals. Like that, that to me is so much more enjoyable to watch than the the usual suspects. Yeah, I I agree. It was just a lot of fun to watch. And uh, yeah, and it's just been nice to enjoy. And I think I've, you know, not only does absence make the heart grow fonder, but I think absence lets you know whether something is important in your life or not. You know, I think when you don't have something and you and you step away from it from long enough, um, it takes a lot of effort to get back. And everybody knows that like an exercise and eating well and in like, you know, going back on the grind post COVID you know, I, that word is weird, but like, you know what I mean? Like getting back into the work of things, especially as like a working artist, like me and Matt are, um, it, you really have to want to get back into it in order to do it because it's just so much yeah. effort to just start. It's so much effort to just start. It is. Once the ball's rolling, it's, it's rolling and you're kind of getting like, Oh yeah, this is routine or whatever. But yeah, that, the beginning it's true. Right. And, and like, I'm just happy. You're right. I, I agree a hundred percent with you, Matt. Like I, I think the reason I was looking at seasons because I wanted because I felt like we were, you know, kind of getting to a point where we needed to take a break. So I was trying to reinvigorate us and be but we just took that break. And I agree. This is season two. You heard it here. I'm going to change all the episode names and uh, (laughs) and you're going to listen and be like, wait, I thought it was season four. But you know what? That's real time, baby. That's that was that was real time changing. The first the first season of anything is always weird. Like, I swear, if I ever like rewatch a TV show, I like never start at season one because like they're always still figuring out their footing and the budget isn't quite there. Our budget is so much bigger now for season two. I mean, just. That hundreds of thousands of dollars more. But like the first season of anything is always just like there's this weird like, ah, they don't they don't really know what the hell they're doing yet. And um, I think that was probably true for us. Oh, God. I, I yeah, I can't imagine. There's some of those <laughs> that, makes sa- that makes it sound like we know what the hell we're doing now. And that's not true. Uh, just disclaimer. Yeah, no, we just know more than we knew before. I mean, yeah. a, year, a year ago, we were doing a pick-by-pick NFL draft review. Like, <laughs> I mean... Pick 27, offensive guard from Tulsa. And just like, what is going on? It was it was crazy. And I, yeah, I, I'm just grateful to have this. And I'm, I'm grateful because now, 
you know, we can really get into sports. And I think it's good that we waited until all the finals were done because now we can like just summarize them, talk to them about our thoughts. And now we can go right into the next season and like, let's go. Like we got some exciting news. We got transfers. My boy got his Packers boy is back at practice today. Like, I mean, we'll see what it's, happens, but it's nerve nerve wracking. Give give me one more year. Give me one more year. Twelve. Come on. Yeah. I mean, what a what a what an off season. But yeah, I'm very excited and so much to talk about. So I say we just get right into it, boy. Let's go. I, I agree. Cheers, cheers to that, man. I I it's been it's been a good been few months for me as well. Nice. Got to spend another summer here in Iowa with the family and friends. I am finally apartment searching again, which is like both a pain in the ass, but also kind of exciting because I'm going to live alone and I'm making I'm making the move to Manhattan. I'm going to make myself a, a big city boy. Um, and besides that, just been kind of hanging out. I finally started the show Ted Lasso, which I just didn't really want to get Apple Plus because I was like, ah, I don't really know if I like care oh, about boy. it. But then, my parent, but then my parents got it. So I was like, well. Perfect. That, that's what you I need. tell you what, that Ted Lasso show is, I thought it was just going to be like a funny show. That's one of the best shows I think I've ever seen. I'm absolutely enthralled with that show. I could not I recommend it more amazing. if you haven't watched it. it, it, it I like, it's so, so good. Oh, I'm so excited. So when I, when I get back to the city, you'll come over, you'll come over to the new spot and we'll just have a Ted Lasso binge. It's like, especially as a soccer fan, like I think, I, I know you're going to love it, but beyond that, I think it's, it's a really good show. Uh, and then, only other big news really for me is is my my wonderful sister finally got engaged to her her fiance. They've been living apart in uh, Minneapolis and St. Louis for a while, but Nicholas Staub and her are, are finally engaged. So I want to congratulate them. So excited for the both of them. It's been kind of a long time brewing. So I'm glad that they finally have, have, are living together now and uh, and engaged. And you know, selfishly, now I get to uh, help get ready for a, a bachelor party and and a wedding. So you know, it's I'm certainly winning in this thing as well. Yeah, there you go. It's two things I have to say about that. Number one, my boy Tyler Harper getting married soon too. I will be back in Iowa uh, early September to be celebrating that. Excited for him. Um, congratulations on the engagement again. And it's funny because I saw your your post about your sister, and I don't know if you, Nick is a huge fan of the podcast. Nick listens to the podcast, and it's like on the Instagram page, and it's like there. Oh, yeah. And I'm Nick loves I was it. like, that's my boy. Good, good on you. So big, uh, big fan. I love it. Uh, it's it's always good to good to see a fan enjoying their own life as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's he's a great guy. Couldn't I could not like be luckier with uh, you know who my who my future brother in law is going to be. And they I mean they've been together for a while. We've always had a really good relationship. So he feels like a brother already. But it's nice nice to now you know we get to finally finally do this thing and, and make it official. All right, Jan, as always, too, we do have our name for a reason. What are we drinking today? I got a cold brew here. Well, let me let me finish. I got a nice cold brew. I won't, I won't take down your throat yet. Yeah, a little bit of milk to get, you know, because I got to get energized. I need I need the energy to get through it, you know? A little bit of milk and just a little, little, little bit of bourbon. And it's real, real great. Ooh, I it's, like that call. It's a good little thing, and I'm enjoying myself. And uh, honestly, I, I didn't know. I got it from Duncan. I didn't get anything special. I didn't go to, like, Blue Bottle or anything like that that, you know, you would expect it to mix well. Uh, Duncan Cold Brew mixes Dude, well, man. Duncan works great. I, it does. <laughs> I used to do that. No, I mean, not all the time, but every now and then, like, you know, if it was like a Saturday and like, I need a little pick me up, but also knew it was like, we're about to get after it. I, I would love to throw just, just a little bit, a little bit of bourbon, a little bit of, I think I, 
Sometimes I'd use dark rum, which was okay. Ooh. What I want to try is that uh, like Guinness has like a cold brew, but it's like a beer cold brew thing, which yeah. you know. I'm a Guinness boy. I, I got a nice easy summer shandy and I got the I got the can mostly so I could, you know, do a nice little Oh first one um, of season two. We're baby. back. We're back. <laughs> love it, love it. We are back. All right, Jan. Like you said, let's get into it. We're we're warmed up. We've we've taken out the cobwebs. It's time to talk sports. And I think there's no better place to start than college football. Breaking news. From the world of college football, about a week ago, there was some some whispers that Texas and Oklahoma had reached out to the SEC about possibly joining the conference. Now it's looking like an inevitability. That thing seems to be no other way than this happening. Uh, I think even today, they officially requested their invite to the to the SEC with a start date of July first, twenty twenty five. That's everybody thinks it's going to go through. They, they need eleven of the fourteen SEC schools to vote yes. Uh, I think all of them want to make more money, which is what this is all about. So they're all going to probably vote yes, except Texas A&M, because Texas A&M is a little butthurt that uh, another Texas team is coming through. But, you know, once they start seeing those paychecks, I'm sure Texas A&M will get, will get over it. Uh, but, you know, th- this is going to cause a lot of shakeup in the world of college sports and, and college football, I think, particularly is the one we're looking at most. But it will have ramifications otherwise. What's your first kind of re- reactions to all this, Jan? I mean, the Big 12 should just dissolve, right? Like, what is the point of watching Big 12 football anymore? I'm sorry. That's like if Michigan that that's like if Michigan and Ohio State were like bye in the Big Ten. Like, you know, granted, and and you know what? I'm not even gonna say that because the Big Ten has traditional teams that could still make it. But the Big 12 not only doesn't have teams that have performed well recently, like Iowa State would would be like the next contender, which is like fine, but I just it reminded me of the UEFA Super League thing. Like, what is the point? Like, just dissolve all other leagues at that point. Like, if we're just going to be an SEC and everybody wants to make money, that's fine. But then let's not have these divisions. And and I get why Oklahoma is doing it. I get why Texas is doing it. You know, they get to play more SEC teams, which increases their chances of being in the college football playoff because they have more of those important games. And uh, the money is you talk. I don't even have to talk about the money that's involved. Obviously, everybody makes more money in the. SEC. It's called sports. What decision isn't made about trying to make more money, right? Right. Exactly. Um, but I just I don't know how to feel. I don't. I thought I would feel really like upset, like I did when the UEFA Super League was happening. Like, oh, you know, screw you guys, making more money, ruining the Big Twelve. Um, but it's not like the Big Twelve was all that exciting outside of those three teams. So like, I was like, what's the, I mean, I get them wanting to leave because the big 12 outside of like three teams every year kind of sucks. So if they're not making money and they want a better chance of making the college football playoff, yeah, they should move to the sec. I just worry about the gap that they leave. What's going to happen. Like, you know, how does that division kind of cope? Nebraska can move to the big 12 now. How about that? There you go. There's your new division. Go to the big 12. You can win. I bet you can. There you go. Um, leave the Big Ten. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Just maybe. It's going to be Nebraska-Iowa State in the final, and then everyone can suffer through that match. Um, yeah, you know, I just think it, it's a money move, and I think that the SEC is going to is going to uh, agree to it. And, uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting last couple of years in the Big 12 with, like, them the inevitability of them leaving. Uh, I think it'll be – 
some good games and seeing who can win those Big 12 championships. I think something has to be done to the Big 12, though. I just don't know what the point of having the Big 12 is past that. You know, like you have the two best teams leaving, and I don't know what they would do if they would incorporate other teams, if they're switching around everybody. But also, I don't understand... I didn't know we could just change divisions. Like, maybe I don't pay attention to college football enough. I didn't realize that's something we could do. I, I'm just always like, why? So what were these divisions set up for then? You know, like, at what point, like, can anybody do that? Can Penn State and Ohio State just go to the SEC too? Like, are we just creating a I, I super think so. League? I mean, I think it is right? all, like, contracts. And it's, I mean, it is all, like, what's advantageous to us. And, I mean, at the first part, you make a good point of, like, why would they want to leave the Big 12? The Big 12 of the Power 5 conferences – has has been the weakest one for kind of quite some time. They've on average they get less players drafted, and and on on the surface you'd say, oh well, they have ten, you know, ten teams. That the SEC has fourteen. Big Ten is, of course, they're going to have less. But I, I can't remember the the numbers or the math behind it. But it's even like on average per team out of the Power Five conferences, the Big Twelve has gotten the least drafted the last like decade. And then you even just look like at championships. The big 12 hasn't won a national championship since 2005. They haven't been in a championship game since 2009 when, when Texas lost to Alabama. So there was that OU team with Baker Mayfield that played Georgia in the Rose bowl. I think that team was, was a legitimate top, top team, but otherwise they've also not had good showings in the college football playoff. You know, like even the PAC 12 has, has had some good ones. And obviously the big tens, gotten a title we we know it's been ruled by the sec and clemson but those other conferences have done better than than the big 12 so even just like looking at it that way it, it's it's makes sense the money is is the most obvious part but i i agree with you too like at first i was like i wasn't sure how to feel about it and i thought i thought i might have that sort of reaction of like the oh why are they changing everything but really like conferences as, as a kid and when you're young and, and you're coming up in sports how you see it, you think that's just how it's always been. The Big 12 wasn't a conference until 1994. Like, like right. you know, there was the Big 8 and there was the, the, the like Southwest Conference, which had all the Texas teams. Like, conference changing and, and conference realignment and all that stuff really is, is kind of commonplace in college football. Probably not to this extent where you see, you know, the two marquee schools of a major conference leaving to the SEC. But, you know, the idea of it in general is not all that ridiculous. You know, we, we We've seen it with, I mean, the Big East Conference in basketball a decade ago was the best conference in the, the world, like easily. It wasn't even close. Now the Big East barely exists. I mean, it's it's Villanova and a couple other schools every now and then. So, like, that sort of thing really isn't that new. Um, I think it, it adds for exciting kind of games. And, and I agree with you. I, I think it's far more advantageous for those other eight schools in the Big 12 to say, okay, let's go find a new conference. Let's go try and join the Pac-12. Let's go try and join the Big Ten. Let's go try and join the ACC. And I kind of think it's advantageous for those conferences too. Obviously, none of those other eight schools are quite the the name or the money makers that Texas and Oklahoma are in. The only really kind of gem that you've got is Kansas basketball, which I hope and I pray that the Big Ten tries and gets them. I, I mean, I think the Big Ten has been the best basketball conference the last five years or so. You get Absolutely. Kansas. I think I think that solidifies that. So, like, if I'm the Big Ten, I'm I'm trying to go get Kansas right now. Like, jump on the horse on that. But I think it's smarter to try and go to those conferences. I think all those conferences because now you got the SEC at 16 teams. I think conferences it's going to be more about qual- quantity than quality over saying okay, let's stay in the, us us stay eight, stay in the Big 12, 
and we'll try and go get Houston and, and Memphis and Boise State. You know, good comp, like good teams. And and I mean, Houston was a, a, a major team in, in basketball and football at one time. But it, if they go that route and they say, okay, no, we want to try and add teams and go back to the Big 12, I think all that's going to do is put them in a conference that's a step below those other four. I don't think I don't think the Big 12 is a major conference anymore. I think it's on par with with the AAC or the Big East in basketball, you know, a, a good conference, but not a major conference. So I think it's smarter for all of them to say, all right, can we go help bolster these conferences into bigger numbers and take care of ourselves in, instead of kind of taking a step down? Yeah, and I also just want to whoop Iowa State in conference play. Give them to the Big Ten. Let's whoop them in conference play. Let's just make it real. We always, A lot of Iowa fans like, don't want Iowa State in the Big Ten. I'm just like, why not? I don't. No, let's do it. We play them oh, anyway. Let's it? whoop them in conference play. Let's whoop them in conference play. I'm down. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting to see, like, cross sports what would happen. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Kansas and Iowa State definitely join the Big Ten. Baylor, you know. I don't know what they would do, but you know, probably join the SEC too. I I, I don't really hard I had to say. A friend who made a good point, like Baylor now. I mean, Baylor's defending national champions in basketball. Like Baylor adds a pretty good like name to your to your uh, conference, really. And and right, no, exactly. And Baylor football used to be something, obviously. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> we won't talk it's about still that. A tech, it's still a Texas football team, like. I know Texas Tech, TCU, and Baylor are not the Longhorns. They're not A and M. They they aren't. It's still Texas football, and like Texas that football. that's that's gonna make you money and it's gonna get viewership to you. I did see one rumor. I don't know how true this one was. That it was USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Colorado had reached out to the Big Ten about possibly joining. Which I was like, sick, do it. Let's I, do it. I'd love Hell, that. Dude. You get yeah. Oregon. My sister went to Colorado, so I was like Colorado, and then I'm like, hell, I can go through a, a Hawkeye game at Folsom Field. And then, like, USC and UCLA could be dog shit for 30 years. There are two teams in L.A. They're always going to be viewer. They're always going to make you money. People are always going to care about them. They just are. We talked about USC football this year, even though they were irrelevant. Like, we did. Like, it's just yeah. true. I agree. And it'll be interesting. And I agree. As you get older, you realize – they're making this shit up as they go. Like they totally yeah. are. In twenty well, like years, you said, like can can they just leave conference system? Yeah, yeah, they can. Like the World Cup used to be twenty four teams, and the Golden Goal used to be the way you did it, and now it's not. And I'm sure in twenty years we'll be talking UEFA Super League, and like that's just a normal thing. And it's just like, yeah, this has always been. I'm like, remember in my day it used to be that the that the Bundesliga and Bayern ruled all. And you're always like, you're always mad at it at first, but like. Then, then either you get used to it or the changes are. I mean, like, I think I only really paid attention to two, one and a half European tournaments when it was just 16 teams. The move to 24 teams has made that tournament so much more exciting, so much better, in my opinion. Like, it's it's way, way better. Yeah, because things happen and it's exciting. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it's definitely going to happen. I There's, like... Unlike the UEFA Super League, there's no collusion going on here. So it's just like there are these teams that want to join another conference and a conference that will happily accept them. So there's there's just little little faith that I have that anything would go against this and the Big 12 will just have to respond. And I agree, like, even if you got the best of the other crop of teams that possibly could join the Big 12, you're still not going to have teams 
that are going to be as good as Oklahoma and Texas joining you. So you're automatically taking a step down. There's just no other teams that want to leave their conference that are that good. It's not like Ohio State's like, we want to leave the Big Ten for the Big 12. Then I'd be like, yeah, "Yeah, okay, fine. But like, no one really wants to go. So you get a Memphis, maybe you get a Cincinnati or something like, yeah, okay, but programs that are good. Like we're we're not trying to knock those programs. They're they're good at, uh, and like Cincinnati is a great one too. Like a team that consistently has solid basketball, solid football. UCF, of course, is like a football team that that is on the right. Like none of them are bad, but like like we said, we we know like that they're not mid majors, but they're not made. I mean, they're considered power five. Like I think the Big Twelve would then be a power five or, or group of five. Pardon me, instead of being a power five. I think too. You know, I mean, there's been so much talk about the uh, the twelve team playoff. I think I think more so this move is 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 going to go to that because Texas and Oklahoma have to you know like you said it's not just about money they also if you're in the SEC like there's been times we've talked about having two SEC teams in, in the top four of the college football playoff there's we've had a college football playoff championship where there was two SECs uh, teams between Georgia and Alabama so like being in that conference helps you bolster your resume I, I think this is going to help lead to a twelve and probably even more likely 16 team where you do see multiple teams from the conference. And that's why, again, I think those big 12 schools should try. And I think the PAC 12 big 10 and, and uh, ACC should try to add some of those schools um, because then it's going to help all those conferences get more than one, one team in there uh, and all that. So it's, it's the start of, I, I think a lot of change in, in, Maybe not all bad. I think, you know, the, my first reaction was kind of sort of negative towards it. But, but the more I look at it, the more I'm like, I mean, maybe less of like, oh, this is going to be great. It's more just like, yeah, it's not going to be all that bad. Right. We'll see how it goes. You know, it's like there, that's a lot of change. Change is always weird, but we'll see how it goes. I don't think it's a move that is 100% for the wrong reasons. Um, so, therefore, I'm willing to give it a shot. At the same time, do we trust any college team, a college organization to make any kind of good call? No, absolutely not. So, <laughs> so I'm like, not one bit, not one bit. So I'll, we'll see how it goes, but uh very interesting um, move. And, you know, with all the other interesting NCAA, you know, changes, it's going to be an int- it, the next couple of years, a lot of change is going to happen. Um, yeah. So just got to be, just got to be aware of it. And uh, I think, you know, Love college sports so much. I, I think it's going to be great no matter really what. Rule. They really do rule. And, you they know, I, you know I, I, maybe maybe the move to these major, major conferences where it's almost like a, a mini league, I agree with you. I'm, I'm never going to be optimistic about the NCAA is going to do, but perhaps, fingers crossed, that will mean the payers getting played uh, paid. We'll talk about this on another episode, but I have, I've changed kind of my thoughts on the name, image, and likeness. Uh, passing because I'm worried about the other repercussions of them passing that. But it's time to move on. It's time to talk soccer, the sport that that really has begun this podcast. Uh, and I'll, I'll ha- uh, tip our hats to to Argentina for winning the Copa America. It's I'm not going to you know rip on the tournament. The tournament they always they always just like oh why do people think Copa America is so much worse than Europe? It's just not as exciting. Like let, let, no. let's be quite frank. We we kind of know. First off, there's just less teams, and second off, we, we kind of know who's probably going to take it home. Like, there's it's probably going to be Brazil or Argentina, maybe Chile, Uruguay, Colombia. Shock us all, 
but that, that usually doesn't occur. But the Euros this year, it was a terrific tournament, as Jan mentioned. The Italians, a team who has, you know, about as much World Cup success as anybody, but had only won one European championship back in 1968. They win their second championship in penalties over England, uh, a heck of a, a, a final. And, and you know, we talked at, at the beginning of the tournament. I think Italy had only played two games. And, and I, I early on was like, Italy's the best team in this tournament right now. I, they just are. And, and, and they were the most consistent and I think strongest performer from, from game one till that last one. I mean, always when a team wins in penalties, you, you say, ah, did they really de- deserve it? Because as much as skill as there are to penalties and defending penalties, it is a, a ton of luck. But, but I think there's no way that you can argue that Italy was the deserving champions, uh, that they played really, really well, had a, had a, a solid group with Switzerland, Wales, and Turkey, and, and flew by them. And, and while they didn't make it easy on themselves in the knockout round, I mean, every game, I think probably their easiest game, or at least the game that stressed them out the least, was probably against Belgium. Um, but never made it easy on themselves. But in the classic, you know, tr- trademark of Italian resiliency, uh, they battled through and, and took home the cup. Yeah, I I hate Italy. Italy outside of outside of uh, no, I hate Italy. I I really Italy eliminated Germany from their own World Cup, and I will never forgive them for that. But I was Tough even one. going for the Italians in from the semis on. I really, really was. They're just such a fun team to watch. And they you're right, really I doubt to watch. I doubted them in the group stage. We talked about it, and I said I got to see more. And I mean, they they sh- they they defeated every team that they should have lost to. Um, and they went there and, you know, I do, I won't say luck. I don't think it was luck for sure. I think that it was the tournament for the Italians because there was a lot of teams in transition, not knowing their identity just yet that, you know, they couldn't hold up to the cast. Italians being one of those teams, they're in transition. They don't quite have an identity yet, but granted to them, they were the most consistent of those teams and made it through. There's a couple teams that should be very disappointed that they didn't win this euros because they were the most established teams you know, obviously you think of England first with the with all the talent they have. They went to the finals, couldn't get it done. But you also think Belgium, you know, their golden age over. I'm sorry. It is. It is over. This was the tournament for them to win. When they beat Portugal, I thought, here you go. This is it. You beat the holders. Now you have to play an Italian team that it has nothing. When you have De Bruyne, Lukaku, Mertens, I mean, you don't have anything to worry about in terms of talent. So I, I think it was their tournament to lose at that point. Um, England was great, but England also beating Germany is also beating a team in transition because Germany also doesn't know who they are. They were, they have their coach on their last tournament. You know, they were always going to be in transition. The fact that they got out of their group was all I was really happy about. So them beating Germany was not like this, you know, it's not like you're beating the best team in the tournament. Yeah, but I think it was still a huge win for England because like the thing with England and, and England in soccer, in the soccer world, it's like it's almost like New York, Washington D.C. teams, where so much of the journalists that that write about the sport are there. So like England gets hyped every single tournament, like every single tournament. It's like, oh, England's going to do really well. So you almost never know if England actually has the talent or if just it's a bunch of journalists saying that England should get it done. This, I mean. And I think most of the time for England in these major tournaments is, yeah, they, they play well, but they can't get it done against the big boys. They, they can't beat the Germany and, and the Italian and, 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 you know, those sort of teams that, that just seem to get it done. So, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, this was far from the best German side, but we've seen 
England like just collapsed against those sort of good teams. And I think the credit to like Italy and like even the point you're sort of making with Italy and I think Germany's the same way about this is there's because like if you look at this Italian roster, you're not really looking at it and being like, oh wow, that's that's the most talented team in in, in the 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 tournament. Like Portugal was more talented, Belgium was more talented, England was more talented. I think you could probably still say Germany's more talented. I mean, just France. talent based. But oh yeah, France easily. France France probably deserves to get way yeah. more shit thrown on them because yeah, you can say they lost in penalties. Yep, you were up three one with ten minutes to go. Yep. Like how how do you let that happen? But I, but the you know it's it's the culture that Germany and Italy just have. Like the, their teams yeah. are so cohesive and so together. And uh, you know to your point I, I, again, you know Germany is going through a weird. All right, here's this great era. Here's the young guys, so they are figuring. But like consistently, you guys and, and Italy are still competitive because there is just like such a such a great culture of of winning and playing together and. I think the thing, and I'll, I'll rip on England a little bit later, but like even Belgium, I, I've never been a Roberto Martinez fan. I think he's held that team back for so many tournaments. The, the fact he's he's the Brett Brown of international football for me, I'm like, how are you still in this job? You are just wasting this talent. And Roberto Mancini deserves all the praise in the world because, like I said, with Italy, Germany, you know, even a team like Spain, you always have a lot of talent. But it's also about maximizing the talent that you have. And he he changed the style of how Italy kind of play. Like, we've, we haven't seen Italian sides kind of be that attacking and that so much on the front foot. And and he was, you know, he made that change. And and I think, you know, the most impressive run I've ever seen in, in international football is Spain from 2008 to 2012. Yeah, of course that team was insanely talented. But they also maximized the hell out of that talent. They were like, yeah. all right, you're, you're incredible. We're going to make sure we use 110% of that talent. And because routinely you see teams like Belgium not do that. Yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah. It, and also, like, <clears throat> Italy just had so many heroes, like heroes. Like, Spinazzola was their best player. Then he got injured. Another guy stepped up. Chiesa looked like, like, Chiesa was incredible. Was like he looked like the best attacking person I've ever seen. Not because he was the most talented, but because he tortured the defenses that he played. I mean, he just yeah. had a motor that would not stop running. And I'm sorry, the moment that Giorgio Chiellini went up to do the penalty captains with Jordi Alba and laughed him off, that's what Italy won. Masterclass. That is what Italy Masterclass, won. dude. I have it never was, seen it was so and I mean it's such a credit to to like such a veteran a guy and a player of being like, not only, not only am I going to tell my opponent that I'm relaxed right now and having fun, but I'm also going to tell my team that I'm relaxed and I'm having fun. And like that just, because penalties are they're like the most nerve wracking thing in the world. And so to come as the leader and be like, ah, whatever, like we're just having fun. We're playing football. What I mean, absolute genius leadership by Chiellini. Yeah. And it's funny. We uh, talked about Copa America too, and we'll talk about it a little bit. But the other person that I thought had that attitude of like, we're having fun, fuck you, we're going to beat you, whatever, was the Argentinian goalkeeper. And look what he did. Oh. I mean, he, oh, yeah. I, oh, I loved it. I was like, let's go. That guy's going to win. You know, there's no way because that's the attitude you need. I'm better than you, so we're just having fun. We're just yeah. having fun. Oh, I loved it. Well, I love it. It's stressful it. enough. Like, you're like, 
you know, and it's probably might even be more impressive for, from the Argentinian uh, goalkeeper perspective. I don't know why I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, but because like Chiellini has been playing for, you know, 50 years. I think Chiellini was on that that last European winning team in 1968. Like he's he was. he's such a veteran, so like he does know those little tricks of like, all right, I'm gonna ease my team. I'm gonna make sure they're not they're not stressed. Uh, and then of course, naturally, they were gonna be less stressed in the uh, penalties of the final in front of London. Also, Southgate. Uh, let, let's get to England because I think England is a, a, an interesting team to talk about. I, I like I like I said, I feel like every tournament there's always these expectations. I think most of the time they're not deserving. I think this team is fine it's finally an English team where you're like, you know what? Yeah, these guys actually are really talented and, and probably should go far. I mean, they, they've got to be one of the favorites for the World Cup, don't you think? I absolutely they are. I mean the, they they're they're right there with, you know, France, I still think Portugal's very talented, and Italy, along with Argentina and Brazil. Those teams are the favorite for the World Cups. And, like, in the past, you're right. Like, it's been undeserved, and it's been also unfounded. Like, it used Mm -hmm. to be that whenever England, in 2006, with Wayne Rooney, Frank Lampard, David Beckham, Steven Gerrard, all in their prime, they went into a penalty shootout with Portugal, and you knew they were going to lose. You knew they were going to lose. In the quarterfinals, you knew they were going to lose. And now, World Cup, they go to the semis. Euro Cup, they go to the finals. They are there. There is no yeah. more. There is no more hype. The hype is there. And as soon as Gareth Southgate, you know, I, I we'll see. I'm not a hundred percent sold, but I think he did enough to keep his job. And I think, I don't think he's going to hold this team back from doing what they need. I mean, he did take them two penalties of the Euro final, and that you can't really go against that. It was it was an unfortunate situation for sure. Um, I just think they need one or two more tweaks, and then they're there. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, even like, not that this is a game changer, but like, you don't have a guy like Trent Alexander Arnold. I mean, he's he's a guy that can do so much, especially with how good Shaw was on the left. I mean, if you had a guy like Trent Alexander Arnold on the right, you're going to do a lot of damage. Um, but yeah, I think I agree with you. I, I'm not sure I can say Southgate should be fired because he takes them to their first Euro final ever. That they barely, barely lose. He had a horrible final. Like, there, there's no way about it. Yeah. You get that early goal, and then he was just like, all right, let's try not to lose, which was a horrible, horrible strategy. And then the penalty-wise, of course I'm going to defend my boy Marcus Rashford, and now I have to uh, defend Sancho as well. But all three of those, like, I remember I was watching that game, and I'm like, how are you not getting these guys on the pitch earlier? Like, you want them to come on and then immediately kick a penalty? Let them go out – at least let them run around for 10 minutes – you got to get a sweat. You got to like feel for the, like the fact that he put them on so, so late to then go do it. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, they're young. They're like, ah, whatever. They, they're, they're talented. They can put the penalty. But like just any athlete to be like, all right, here you go. Instead of letting them kind of get warmed up and, and like get some sort of feel for the game, I feel like was such, was such a poor move. I do think Southgate – he, he seems like a guy, though, that, w- that will learn from his mistakes. At least I hope he does, because they really are such a talented team, and they're still so young. I mean, like, next World Cup, they're still going to be young. I mean, the World Cup and that's held in America in 2026, that's when most of this team's going to be in their prime. It's not like they're uh, on the, the, the clock or anything about to win stuff. Um, but I, I hope he, he's learned from it, because it, that him playing it so safe, 
it it was it was just a poor it was a poor decision and 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 especially against a team like Italy and how Italy was playing, they they were going to get a goal. Like you you always knew they were going to find find a goal in that game. Right, and also let me pitch you a scenario here. Ha, pitch you, I'm so freaking funny. Um, let me pitch you a scenario <laughs> here. We're yeah, taking a look, but, but we still got it. We still got it. We're still here. Um, Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho, Saka, right? Those three players, okay, if you're going to throw on a player to take a penalty, right, you know who can do that? France, if they bring on Olivier Giroud. That's someone you can bring put on to just score a penalty. But, like, if you're going to bring those guys on to score a penalty, if that's what you want them, put them at the beginning of extra time. Just right. do that. Because yeah. think about it. You have now 30 minutes where they now have to deal with a fresh Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho, Bukayo Saka. Like, right. that's scary as hell. Just yeah. do that. Like, you, know, you might you know have fast, You know how fast Sancho and Rashford are? I love I love right. Chiellini and Benucci. They don't have the speed. They've never really had the speed. They certainly don't have it now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and also, like, you only need – you don't need any tactics then. Just give it back to Luke Shaw. Let him – Toss a long ball to three fast guys just running right at the keeper. Something will happen. Something is going to happen, you know. And so I think he had the right idea that to 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 maybe not start them. I like the lineup that he had, but like mm-hmm. man, like they're not they're not players that they're not penalty killers. None of them are. None of them are penalty killers. So like and and to put and to put Saka in that position of taking the fifth penalty, that I, I get it that. I, like, get, I get it that I get it that maybe he uh, like stepped up and that I heard heard reports that he asked who stepped up. I don't care if he steps up. You don't put a 19 year old kid in that situation right. in the Euro final. You don't. You don't. And I mean, and it, like you, you kind of hope that all your players are trying to step up and be like, yeah, I, I want to take one. Like this is we're at home. I, I want to get this done. Like so, I think just the impetus of having like a player be like, oh, I want to take this. That shouldn't sway. Like you have to. That's why you're the manager. You're the one that makes the decision. And out of all those three, I would have had Rashford be the fifth instead of the. That's like, exactly. Rashford. Rashford's made some big penalties in his day. He, now, of course, he doesn't take any because Bruno's taking them all. But like Rashford's made some clutch penalties, and and like, of course, he missed that one. But it, it the penalty decisions. It, it was not. It wasn't a great game managed by Southgate, and and it was on the other side. Man, I mean, Mancini was was such a great manager throughout. I mean, he was always pushing the right buttons, um, and and also looking dapper as hell. Have you ever seen a head coach look so good? It's him and Diego Simeone are just always dressed to the goddamn twelves, like they yeah. are. They're always which like, has, oh. which you know, as the Italian coach, you probably should like you, you should. You're, you're like a fashion, you know center of the world but still it's impressive it is impressive but it was a great tournament to watch i mean italy was so fun to watch you know england i think took another step forward they will continue to do that i wouldn't be surprised if if they win the world cup uh personally germany they needed to get rid of yogi love it was time you know it was the tournament i think that hansi flick coming from Bayern is going to bring a lot of good um and i think that's going to be a good transition for them they have to figure out what they're going to do up front that was their big issue they still don't have someone up front and, and Thomas Muller cannot be your guy up front at the age of 35. He should not be your guy up front, you know? And Timo Werner, I, just go away. You're not German to me anymore. You're not German to me anymore. <laughs> you have lost that, <laughs> that nationality. I don't know what country you're from, but you're not German. You have – no, because I'm sorry. Germans perform in the, pl- in, the, in the knockout stages. That's what we do. 
We have Miroslav Klose, Thomas Muller. These guys perform. If you're not going to perform, Mario me, Gomez. I mean, Mario, Mario Gomez. Gomez. Mario Gomez was way past his prime when he was playing in some of the international tournaments with you and got it done. Right, exactly. Lucas Podolski, same thing when he was playing. Like, you know, you don't have to be the best, but you got to perform as a German. You have to do that. And so he's lost his German card for me. And that's just that, the end of that. I hate to the break German you, Murata. You know, on the on the air, but your your passport's been revoked. Go somewhere else. Um, go to Austria. They could use you. Um, and yeah, I love the upsets. You know, France, wow, what an upset with Switzerland. Um, I, I also think Portugal. It was an upset with Belgium. I think Portugal is another team in transition where, like, they have so many great, and we've talked about this, they have so many great players. They don't quite know what to do with them with Ronaldo still there. Like, we saw Bruno Fernandes not know what to do out there, even though he was not existent. Yeah. And and with Bernardo Silva as well. You have two of the best players in the Premier League, you know, and not knowing what to do. So there still needs to be some coaching changes, I think, there to really maximize the team i'm really excited about the netherlands too obviously they got knocked out by the czech republic but there are some good good guys on the netherlands i love i was gonna say i think they're an absolute dark horse and especially like they they had some i feel like the netherlands always they're they're uh the thing that hurts them is their defense and they were injured on the d i mean when you don't have like a guy like van dyke there who is so you know impactful on on the pitch like with a healthy back line and the attacking players they have, like they're they're going to be real dangerous next tournament. And of course, like we, we have to talk about the Danes and Denmark. I mean, probably the best, even just getting to the semifinals, like one of the best stories in sports this year, if not the best. Uh, the Christian Eriksen thing, I, watching that live, I, I was almost brought to tears because like he was dead, and so so glad that he is he's healthy and hopefully will be able to play again. Uh, but, you know, the resilience of that team. And and you can say, like, oh, they had an easier route. Look, they spanked Wales 4-0. And they, they the Czech Republic game, I think, was 2-1. But Denmark was always in control. Uh, and even just, like, the way they battled back in their group. I think they were the first team in the Euros ever to lose their first two games and still advance. Um, and it wasn't like they advanced in the third place. Like, they're like you can in this tournament. Like, they got second in their group. Uh, just just a hell of a story. And, and – and they're a good team. I mean, like, they, they're legit. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm calling it right now. I know we're ahead of time. Um, also, we're not going to talk Gold Cup, but I'm sorry. Qatar's looking great in the Gold Cup, and they have to play the U.S., and they might spank them. They might spank the U.S. USA is they not really, great. He, they don't, and I'm worried that Qatar's going to beat them. I really am. But let's, let's, let's move to this. But, like, I'm, I'm calling it right now. For my next World Cup Dark Horses, it's going to be the Netherlands and it's going to be Denmark. they got a lot of great young players. And so long as they have the right motivation and build off of this and don't just let it be like a one thing, like Iceland and Wales were the last Euro tournament, I think that I think that they can go far. I mean, Damsgaard looks good. Dahlen looks good. I mean, they look really they – don't, they don't just play with heart. They look really good technically. And they right. have a good defense. And I think they can – I didn't want to play Denmark as Germany – Past England, I was like, I do not want to play Denmark because that team is motivated and very, very fast. And granted, that's a Germany defense me worrying thing. But still, um, I think that it's really interesting. And I think another team we have to talk about, right, is Spain. Because everybody thought Spain is down and dusted. And they have a future. great they have a, looks bright. They have a great, great future. They really do. And like, granted, they lost, you know, to Italy and stuff. But but they they looked formidable. They just need to get rid of Alvaro Morata, and they're great. Right. That's all the, question, the question is the question is like I mean, 
That's another reason that that Spanish Spanish teams from 2008 to 2012 were so incredible. I mean, I, I know Torres had some good showings, and, and David Villa, they're not bad, but like it's not like that team. I mean, there was I think the Euro 2012. I don't even think they started a striker. Like their midfield was so good, and it this team certainly towards their future feels that same way. Are they going to be good enough to still do that without a striker? Because like this team, if they would have had a, a halfway decent striker, and I know Murata got a great goal in the semis. Uh, I, I like. I, I think he probably takes a little more flack than he deserves because there was other attacking players on their team that that didn't do enough either. Uh, but he's not good. And uh, like, if they would have had a, a capable striker, they they probably would have won this thing. Like, they were so good in, in in the midfield, and they're still all pretty young. I mean, when you're talking about Pedri, was like maybe the best midfielder in that tournament. Has 18 years old, eight or 19. Like, he's a child. Right. Exactly. I mean, here's the, here's the thing with getting flack for Alvaro Morata. We we know players in every sport that get too much flack, right? That probably they deserve. You know who one of those players is this year? Alvaro Morata. He scores in the semifinals, but you know what? He gets the chance to make the penalty and he misses it. So therefore, he still deserves the flack. I'm sorry. You know another player who gets too much flack? Giannis Antetokounmpo. What are we saying about him right now that is different? Because he showed up. And that's what you do when you're a player. That well, and I think Giannis's flack was never deserved because Giannis, it, the thing that changed for the Bucks this year, we'll get to the Bucks more. Chris Middleton showed up. Oh. The last two, the last two playoffs, Chris Middleton's not been in Milwaukee. I don't know where the hell, but this year, the dude, the dude showed up. I think too with Murata, like when you go and you get bought by Juventus, and you get bought by Real Madrid, and you get bought by Chelsea, and like you play for such high named clubs that you know like it's kind of like why aren't you better dude or like who what are what are you guys seeing that we're not because he doesn't really seem to be at that same level all right one last question for the the world cup in the future in in cutter uh if belgium fires roberto martinez you got yana carrasco 28 de bruyne still only 31 hazard i think is going to be 31 Kaku's 29. The defense is a little bit old. But if you think if they move on from Martinez, do you think they still have a shot? Because it's not like those guys are crazy, crazy old. Or do you think – because I think, too, the other thing that hurts Belgium is they don't have as much depth as some of those bigger countries. Right. Right. I mean, yes, I think they do. And, like, my issue has never been, no, that this is they're, – they're not a team that can win. My issue is they should – they should be a team that I'm saying is one of the top five to win the tournament. And instead I'm saying they're a dark horse. Right. And, and like, they have been a dark horse for so long. Eventually, you have to be a favorite. You can't just always be a dark horse. That's, like, not how that works. And, yeah, of course they have a chance. Lukaku is one of the best strikers in the world. This is only two years away. Kevin De Bruyne was half on a half a leg and was still one of the best midfielders yeah. in the I think, in the I think that, was, that was a big part of it, too. If he would have been full healthy, it, I, it, it probably would have been a little bit of a different tournament for him. Right. And they and Belgium also has great quality of play. My worry is not that they have the t- the talent. My worry is, you know, do can they can they get over it in their own heads? Because how right. many tournaments do they have the now? mindset? Do they have the mindset? And and if they, you know, England got to there, and and they can too. But it's going to be in their heads that in the World Cup that this is their last World Cup together. The the the, the core of them, and so yeah. like. And and I'm sorry, but there's, there's no way around it. But they've un- they've underwhelmed. I mean, they've underwhelmed in the last three tournaments uh, that they've played in. Like I, I know they they lost to the eventual champs Italy in this tournament. They lost to the eventual champs France in the last tournament. 
Uh, I think Wales was who knocked them out in, in, in the last Euros. So it's not like they're – I mean, Wales isn't a great team, but it's not like they've lost to bad teams, but, like, they they haven't gotten as far and have done as well as they'd like to do. There's just no no way around that. Right, and it's not like they're the only team that has everything to lose, right? Germany has Thomas Muller and Neuer playing their last World Cup, and you have England having Harry Kane probably play his last World Cup, and you have Ronaldo and Messi playing their last World Cup. Everybody is going to want this one so bad that, like, Belgium's going to need more than than desperation to win it. And so I'm a little worried about them. I still will have them as a dark horse. Um but I, I agree with you about Roberto Martinez. You can't have the same coach that's coached you to three straight failures go. be the one. Yeah, I agree. And, like, I get it that he's a respected person. But honestly, Matt, you know what he's great at? Commentating. That's all he needs to do. That's all he needs he's to do. He's great at it. He's terrific. He's great at it. Love it. Plus, and, I, think, uh, I think in soccer, too, there's something to be said for managers that that do a lot with a little, which I think he was really great at, uh, you know, at Wigan and, and, and didn't do quite as well at Everton. But, but like – being able to max again, like maximize players that quite aren't as talented, and then also being able to like use really, really ta- like it's it's sort of a, a different skill set in, in in managing uh, when it comes to soccer. I, I don't think other sports have that quite as much as when it comes. Like I think there's some managers that are good at playing with teams that need all eleven guys to buy, like no superstars, just eleven guys working into one you know specific strategy, as opposed to like all right this. How how are we going to maximize De Bruyne and Hazard and and Lukaku? Because that like that's the end of the day. That's what Belgium needs to do. And I you know I think too like your like your point with the mindset. It I think it is a mindset thing because like yeah they've got a runner up finish but they've got one runner up finish in the Euros forty years ago and the last World Cup was their best World Cup even though Germany was going through a transitional period. I. I think all German fans and I think all German players are like, well, we can still win this. Like right. that idea of like, we're still going to try and win this and should win this because that's what we do. We don't come that's to these we, tournaments yeah. to do anything else. Why, why the yeah. hell else are we here? Where I don't think Belgium has that belief and, and that like kind of thought process yet. Yeah. Belgium is as big as any country, but they do play with a small country energy and they're not, and they need to, and they need to get over that. And their, t- their time is ticking. So we'll see if they can do it. All right, Jan, let's, let's stay in the soccer world, but uh, we're going to move to the club side of things. Obviously, uh, the seasons are not underway yet. Got to wait a few more weeks before all those begin, but it has been a uh, an interesting transfer window. Obviously, we, we knew that COVID was going to impact the, the window. I think the biggest thing I've noticed from, from this window is a lot of those big teams selling off a lot of players. Like It, it feels far more like big teams selling off players than any like big, big moves from a lot of the big teams. Uh, but what's some of your favorite individual transfers so far? Uh, well, I'll leave your transfers to you, and I'll talk about some other ones Perfect. because your team's buying up, so I love that. I love to see it. Um, right. There's some in- interesting transfers. I wouldn't say any big, big ones outside of the ones you'll talk about. I mean, one that jumps out to me is Ashraf Hakimi getting traded to PSG for like a $60 million fee. I, You know what? I'm a little, I don't know. I don't know how to feel. Hakimi's been so good for so long, like such a prodigy. But like, I don't know if he's the reason Inter Milan won or anything. Like, I don't know. And PSG's great. And they they make the use out of players like Hakimi. So I think he'll probably be really good. And with Neymar staying there, you know, he'll he'll probably be helpful down there. 
Um, but yeah, it's interesting to see what PSG does post like, you know, heartbreak, obviously, uh, in the Champions League again. Um, so it's like, it'll be interesting to see what Hakimi can do. I think that he's still a great young player. Um, it's just, can he be one of, he has the, he has the talent to be one of the best defenders in the game. And I just don't know if he is right. He's not, no one's going to say that he's like a Danny Alves, like a Philip Lom, but he has the talent where he could be. So I'm just wondering, is he going to make the next step up or is he going to be one of those players that always has the potential, but never really like makes that big name for himself? Um, so we'll see what happens there. Rodrigo de Paul goes to Atletico Madrid. He was a really big factor in their Argentina win in the Copa America. Great transfer. He's great. And I think that, you know, Argentina needs him to step up if they're gonna, if they're gonna win a world cup with Messi, if they're going to do that next time, they need Rodrigo de Paul to kind of become an Angel Di Maria type, not the same player, but in terms of like effectiveness for the team, they really need that second offensive option, um, to do them well. Uh, on the Bayern side, we, we you know, have gone through some defensive changes. Boateng is gone. Alaba gets sold off to Real Madrid. I, you know, Alaba, Alaba, I, I will miss him, but, you know, he's on the end of his career. I, I don't know. I don't know that Real Madrid needed Alaba, and I don't know that we did either. Um, he's a great, consistent defender, but the reason we needed him was because we didn't really, we had so many defensive issues that, like, he was a consistent player. Um, and I think we needed to address that anyway. So plus his agent is a dick. I, when, when players have agents that are just like complete dicks, I'm just like, yeah, go. I don't want to deal with this anymore. You leave. It's the same thing with Erling Holland. His, his agent is a dick. And it's just like, you're going to ruin this for this. Pogba. Pogba, same thing. It's all these, all these guys with dick agents. Like it's just, it's so much drama that no team needs. So I'd be so annoyed as a player too. I was just like, yo, quit making this shit about you. This is my yeah. career that you're riding the coattails of to like take these headlines and stuff. Like, this is my this is my stuff. I'm the one right. doing all the hard work out here. Right. And the only thing that I hate more than dick agents are dick agents that are the parents of the players. Then I'm like, oh, bro, like, this isn't about yeah. you. This is not about you. It's like Neymar is one of those. I'm just like, also, yeah. It's just, also, it's just stupid. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I would never. I would never want that. That's just like, unless, unless my dad is like a former soccer player and like, is the reason I find, maybe I trust him enough for that, but not just has a lot of of history and like is a lawyer and has gone to law school and knows how to be an agent. Like then, yeah, sure. Absolutely. But just because you're my parent, like that doesn't make any sense to me. No, it's like, yeah, absolutely. But we did, we did bolster the defense. We got, we finally signed Upa Meccano from Leipzig and like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like he's so he so reminds me of Boateng when he was younger, very inconsistent and like a good player. But you know, maybe he turns into a Boateng, like one of the best defenders uh, in German soccer. But maybe he also, you know, doesn't. So forty million for a defender like that. We'll see. He's got a lot of. That's the kind of content you guys have been missing. Maybe he'll be really good. Maybe he won't. Listen, I. That is the content I bring to this podcast. I am I am always in the middle, so I don't need anyone. Well, especially with your own team, it's always tough to be like, you know, yeah. Uh, will I'm, they be? They got good, right? I'm worried about it, but I am happy to see them make a defensive move. I was worried that they were just going to be like, yeah, I guess we don't have defenders anymore because that's what Byron does a lot of the time, um, and we need. We need a defender. So I'm happy to take a risk on Upa Meccano. And we got Richards from from the Premier League, and I'm really excited about that. I think he can really turn into like a, a wing back that we 
that we so often have seen at Bayern uh, be successful. And we definitely need that. We need one opposite Alfonso Davies. Alfonso Davies needs to take another step up and we need a guy opposite him. Uh, and I think it's going to be really good if we can get that. Worries me, though, because it just makes me feel like Bayern's going to keep doing what they're doing, which is just like having no defense and having the line up the midfield. And then and then all of a sudden Mbappe's in behind and you're like, how did that happen? Um, because they're all so far up. Uh, but, you know, always, always excited. And um, every year I'm, I'm nervous that it's going to be the year that Bayern loses. But we'll see. Uh, also, one more one more thing, you know, going back to Timo Werner losing his uh, Germany card. He also loses his come to Bayern card. Like, do not do that. There's, like, talks about getting him there. Do not do that. Do not do that. Unless you're going to get him for $10 million, which you won't, do not do that. Do not do that. There's no reason. You got Lewandowski. Sign him to another deal. Don't get Werner. There's no reason. There is zero reason to get him. I just – I do well, not understand. You know, it's, I, I, know, I know it's Bayern's way, and I like this about, them, like, how German they are. But, like, you know, why don't you just get a striker who's, like, a lot better? Or you, you guys can just do what you always do, which is why you really should not uh, hate RB Leipzig so much, Jan, because now you've got another club with Borussia Dortmund that you can poach players away from. I mean, it, you needed another person from to buy all your players from. Now it won't just be yeah. Dortmund players coming over. But, there like, you, you know, why, why not go get Holland? Yeah. He's probably going to be Holland. too much money, but – he would, he would be too much money. They'll get Holland when Lewandowski is no longer usable. That's when they'll get Holland. Don't don't yeah. you worry. They'll get him. They'll they'll get him for he'll so wait much. Till, he'll wait till the contract runs out. I mean, hell, it's a smart, smart and way to do it. Be like, did we just let two world-class strikers go on a free transfer to Bayern and lose for 18 years straight? Is that what happened? Is that, how, is we that what we it? did? Oh, like, well, I guess we at least we got second place locked up. Ah, oh, gosh, barely. Um, and one more, one more I want to talk about, which is a deep cut transfer, but I think is going to be super, super cool. Uh, Milot Rashica, Rashica, oh, hard to say. Uh, a really good winger midfielder from Werder Bremen moved to Norwich City. Remember the name Rashica. I think he's going to be one of those players that makes a name for himself in England and, and can move to a big club. Not a big club necessarily like Man United, but I think he can move to like an Everton club and kind of really make a difference. I think he's a fantastic player. I always hate playing against Milo Rashica. He's like just, he's an engine. He just really is. And I'm excited to see him get some, um, get some English football experience. But yeah, again, you mentioned it. Not a lot of players spending money because there's, it's kind of a weird period. Um, but there has been one team spending money, so why don't you talk about that? <laughs> Hell yeah, baby. I, I don't know the last time I've been this excited about a transfer window for Man U, which is – then it's, like, scary for me because I'm like, now I'm going to get my hopes up. But finally locked down Jaden Sancho, which which felt inevitable, but you never do know. Um, but really, really glad to get him. I think he's kind of the perfect winger. And, and, I mean, he's been a guy that Ole's wanted since Ole was, like, caretaker. I mean, before Ole was even – the actual manager, he, he was somebody that he kind of pointed out as as a person that he wanted to help join the attack. And I think, especially with Cavani finding his his, his legs there in the second, the you know latter half of, of the season for Man United, I think you know with, with Rashford, with Fernandez, and now you throw Sancho into that attack, um, and, and, and you know that means probably Greenwood and Martial will be more off the bench, but. That's that's fine. Yeah, you you kind of need a rotation to, to, of of good players, especially if you want to compete with so many different uh, cups that go on. Um, so I, you know, that's a great one. And, and for me, the, the bigger one, honestly, is is Varane. Uh, partly because, like I said, the Sancho one felt like it was going to happen. United's been talked about with you know another defender to put next to Harry Maguire for a while. 
and, and it never seemed to come to fruition. To get Varane, I mean, I know he he's also had the benefit of playing against or playing with terrific defenders, but at the end of the day, the guy's a four-time Champions League winner. He's a World Cup champion. He's 28 years old. It's not like he's, he's too far out of his prime. Um, he brings a little more speed to that center back position to, to go along with Harry Maguire. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think it's the best center back duo we've had since Vidic and, and Ferdinand have retired. So it's that's the position to me as a Man United fan that has stressed me out and, and caused so much anger for so long. Um, where, you know, you're looking now, if Shaw and Maguire can, can keep up that form they had in the Euros and if Juan Bissaka can mark his man a little bit better you're talking about one of the, the best back fours in the EPL I think so two big signings and and it's always I mean there was a time too where as as a top club like sometimes I think you kind of have to make your mark in the transfer window and it, it felt like it was normally Chelsea or City or even Liverpool has done a really good job so it, it's it's nice to have United kind of be the 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 haymaker of, of, of this transfer window in, in those signings. We'll see what still happens. There's still a lot of talk that, that Pogba might go, which if he does, I, I'm hoping that means we're going to be spending that money elsewhere. Um, but I, I hope, you know, maybe, maybe his countrymen coming will, uh, will help Pogba stay there. I, I do think we need to get a, a central defensive midfielder in there. I, I, I don't think Fred or McTominay really is the answer to that because like, as you see in that, in that tournament with France, like, when Pogba has a guy like Conte, and, and I know Conte is 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 a, a tough kind of player to find. Like we're, you're probably not going to go find someone equivalent to that skill, but but a player that can can do similar to what Conte does, it allows Pogba so much more freedom to actually be the player that we, we see with France and and who we saw with Juventus. So uh, I'm excited about both those transfers. I, I think the it's you know it's it's tough not to come into the season optimistically uh, especially after finishing second to get to get these two improvements um you know we hope hopefully start being the man united that that they should be because it's been it's been far too long and it, it feels like feels like they're on the right path and 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 these these transfers should should keep us on that path and and maybe actually compete um especially when you i mean you know, chelsea's going to be coming in hot after winning the champions league liverpool's probably not going to have as many injuries as they had this year so it's going to be a, a battle, and we—I mean, we know how good City is. Um, another one, I, I agree with that Rodrigo de Paul um, transfer for Atletico. I thought that was a really, I mean, thirty million, but but one that really isn't getting talked about enough. He was terrific, uh, one of the best midfielders in Serie A last year, and he struggled with Valencia at his first time around the La Liga. But I think he's he's improved as a player and and, and seems far more stable in, in his position. Like you said, he had a great Copa America, so I think that's a really a great purchase uh, for Atletico Madrid, you know, and you mentioned PSG just like teams wise, like love them or hate them. I, I think P- PSG is, has been marvelous. This transfer window, you know, they, they buy, like you said, Hakimi and, and Danilo Pereira from FC Porto, but the real magic they've done is, is in the free transfers. You get Jorginho, or Jorginho uh, Wijnaldum uh, from Liverpool, who for some reason he was getting a bunch of flack because he was going to sign with Barcelona and then PSG offered him like double money and people were like giving him crap for that. I'm like, are you kidding me? First off, like if you look at where those clubs are at right now, I kind of think I'd rather play for Paris Saint-Germain, especially if you're going to pay me twice the amount of money. So you get Wijnaldum, uh, John Luigi Donnarumma, 
you know, goalkeeper of the future, was a player of the tournament at the Euros. I kind of thought it should have been Chiesa, but with the, the penalty kicks, I, I, I got why Donnarumma got it. Um, and then Sergio Ramos, you know, the, the absolute legend. A guy who's who's on the tail end of his career, but I think has has a lot to offer still as a player, and probably even more so from the leadership perspective, which I think that that team needs. I, I think PSG doesn't really have a leader like Ramos, and hasn't really had a leader to to really bring them together when when things get tough. You know, they've they've had a lot of talent, but I think sometimes you know when you're a talented young team. You kind of just think that's going to carry you the whole way. And I think getting a guy like Ramos in that back line and just in your lineup is going to bring some more stability. Uh, and, and even with the big names PSG has had, I, I think all these signings kind of bolster their lineup as a whole, give them a little more depth, make them better at all three levels of the game. And then I, I got to give some love to Leicester City. Uh, you know, we, last two seasons, of course, they're going to be disappointed. They didn't finish Champions League spot. They were so close. They still are two of the best seasons this club has ever had. And part of the reason they keep, you know, making these strides and competing with the quote-unquote big six, um, I mean, might as well make the big seven the way they've been playing, is because they make some great moves. They got Sumar from uh, French champion Lille, and, and then uh, Patson Daka out of RB Salzburg, I, I think was a terrific signing for them, and uh, the free transfer of Ryan Bertrand. Like, I mean, this is what Leicester's done since they've won the, the Premier League, is, is they've used their, their money really smart. And they find guys who maybe aren't, you know, world-class, but good enough to, to help compete. And, and uh, I think it's been a really good transfer window for Leicester City. I agree, man. I couldn't agree more. PSG is going to be exciting. I think Sergio Ramos is the first real replacement they've had for Thiago Silva, who is the last real leader they had there. Um, and I think that it's going to do them well. And they're looking like a team who, situation-wise, you think, yeah, they're kind of done and dusted. They had their chance. They, they beat Bayern. You thought they were going to get there, but then they didn't. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would, I don't want to play Paris ever. Um, so no. I think it's a good team and I think they're going to win league again and, uh, it's going to be a good season for them. And Jorginho Ger- Wijnaldum is not going to be the star player at any team. So make as much money as you can on a great team. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Like do what you want. Also like in- British players don't have the gr- best track record going to Barcelona. They just don't. So I, I think that, uh, I think it's just like a smart move on his part as well. Um, but yeah, lots of interesting transfers, uh, lots of teams changing it up. Your team, I think is, I agree, Veron is the better signing. Jaden Sancho, for me, I am not high on Jaden Sancho. Jaden Sancho has so much to prove to me, and I and I need to see him do it. Like, he's been kind of, he's been kind of lackluster the last two seasons at Dortmund. Like, he started off so, so hot, and his, his progress is not linear. And he did not break into the English squad either, where he made a big impact. So at some point you have to, and granted, he's still so young. He started so young. I get that. But like, that's what players do. They start really young. Like Pedri's 18 and he was the best midfielder in the, you know, Renato Sanchez 18 and he was the best midfielder. At some point you have to say, yeah, but like if someone's paying like 90 million for you, you better show up. You better show up, buddy. Like that's all I'm saying. So I think Varane is going to be the much more, the much better signing for you. He's, he was amazing in the Euros. He's so, so consistent, not talked about enough, despite being talked about a lot. Um, and with Harry McGuire and Rafael Varane, I think you guys got the best center back pairing in, in the world. I really do. I think that I, I, I can't think of another, I, what other center back pairing? Hey, I'm not, I'm not arguing against you. I just didn't want to say it. I, I mean, I, no. I think, I think you got a good point. Yeah, I think you do. And as long as they can play together, I mean, I think it's going to be really good. And both of them also important. 
Um, both of them great on set pieces, great on set pieces. So like that's, you're going to have to worry about the both center backs coming up and and being dangerous. So Matt's team looking good. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, hope maybe you'll be hearing about a Mantis United title here soon. I I hope so. Be about damn time, right? It's about damn time. I've gotten one, I've gotten one premier league title as a, as a Man U fan. I came, I came a Man United fan and then Fergie left us. And it's been – so I swear, every time I tell, like, longtime soccer fans I'm a Man United fan, they, I don't get it as much now since we've sucked for so long. But they'd be like, oh, of course. I'm like, no, I've, I've seen us win nothing. I've seen us had Anderson running in the middle like he's like, like he's supposed to be Maradona, and he's not. Oh, Anderson. Ferguson loved him so much. Ferguson, though, was able to get so much out of, like, players where, like, other managers couldn't. The guy, I mean, the guy's a master. There's no doubt about that. For sure. Yeah, that's our soccer roundup. Let's uh, let's talk some basketball, Jan. Oh, yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions. The what? 2021 what? NBA champion. Giannis oh. Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak. Finals MVP, it was a well, well-deserved finals MVP. The guy was was an absolute beast, just took over, especially game six where, you know, I mentioned earlier that Middleton showed up these playoffs. Not many of the Bucks showed up in game six, but Giannis did. I, I told Jan I had the, uh, I, had, I think, over 32 and a half points for Giannis that game. There was like four or five minutes left in the third quarter, and I had won my money, which is always the best way to get your bet because then, then I like – had my money won, and I was like, now I can just sit back and enjoy this game. And it was it was a great game. It was a great performance by Giannis. Joins Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon as the only players to win MVP, Finals MVP, and Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, you know, still a, still a young, young guy. I mean, 26 years old, especially the way that Giannis is built, the way that Giannis plays the game. Uh, he's got a lot more success in front of him. Um, but I do think there's still, like, I mean, whenever anything like this happens, we did the same thing with Kawhi a couple of years ago. It was just like, oh, is, are they now the best player in the league? Where do they rank, you know, all time? I, I think Giannis, you, you have to say top five, maybe top three in the league right now. Legacy-wise, I, I think there's a little bit more for him to do before we really start saying, you know, top 25 and, and comparing him to those sort of things. But it was a really impressive finals run. And, and I kind of think maybe more importantly, what Giannis did was he showed the rest of the league and he showed other superstars that, like, you, you can win in, in any market with the right pieces. You know, the, the Bucks, more Because, like, like, you talk about, like, Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers. The Trailblazers just don't, haven't done enough to surround Damian Lillard. The Bucks right. knew if they don't, like, put a lot of good guys around Giannis that he could leave. And, and they made that – they obviously had a lot of success the last two years. They knew they needed more. So they go and they get Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday was extremely impactful. Even if Drew Holiday didn't do it offensively in that six, in that game six, I mean, Drew Holiday's defense was, was game-changing throughout the whole playoffs, particularly game five, that huge steal he had. So as long as, like, your team is committed to actually helping you win, really your market doesn't matter. Uh, and I think that's probably more the, the, the impact that, that this win from Giannis does, in, in my opinion. I do think, like, you know, that being said, because you always look at the future for a team once once they win a title, and, and as I said, Giannis is only 26, so you're kind of thinking, how many could he win? This title was, was a long Kevin Durant toe away from never happening. 
And with a healthy Kyrie or a healthy Harden, albeit both of them, um, it probably wouldn't have occurred. So I think, you know, like the Raptors title, there was a lot of misfortune that happened to other teams that helped them get this far, which I don't say to take anything away from the Bucks, but more for the fact that, like, I don't think this is this is the start of, of a dynasty. I mean, I, I think already, are, are any of us really looking at Milwaukee as the favorites to win it next year? One of the favorites, sure, but, like, it's not like, oh, yeah, that's a team that's about to come back and really get it done because even this run feels – you know, lucky. They got to have changes around the way. And you always have to be at least a little lucky to, to, to win a title. But when you think of like all the different injuries that happened this, this season, uh, not, not just to the Nets, but across the board, it, it was a title that, that kind of does feel like a one-off, um, but a great title. And, and, and Giannis's performance is, I mean, that, that game six performance is, is, I think, one of the best single game performances in the finals that I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, Giannis kind of solidified for me that he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, but I also think that calling him the best 25 is, is too early because and, – and, and, and saying that he's going to win multiple titles, I also think, I don't know, like maybe. But at the same time, like there was a lot of problems with the Bucks too that just weren't exposed by, by some of the teams that they played. I mean, Giannis – I mean, I, I hate to bring it up because of his Game 6 performance, but – He's got a shack problem at the free throw line. He does. And it's like, how do you, how can you rely on that when he's your most fouled player? And Chris Middleton showed up um, in, in clutch times, but they didn't dominate any team that they played. The Suns won two on, on them. The Hawks won games on them, you know, and the Hawks, you know, were a fine young team, but they should not have won games against them. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're a good enough team. And they were lucky play. to even like play, be playing the Hawks. Like, right. Exactly. No one thought the Hawks so, were going to beat them. Right, exactly. And I just think uh, it's a great performance. I think it's more to say about Giannis showing up for Milwaukee when he needed to in a game where no one else was showing up. I agree. It's going to be a great one-off, and it might be another 50 years until we see Milwaukee win again. It might. I just think it's that. They had Kareem, and they won, and now they have Giannis, and they won, and and that's what we'll remember them for. But yeah, I mean, I think in the East, everyone's just like, I can't wait to see the Nets at full health. And that's like what we're, that's what we're saying. And, and even, I don't even know if I put Milwaukee as the second team. I just think there's a lot of good teams. Um, and yeah, it was a great, Giannis gets his due and I'm glad, I'm happy for him. You know, credit to the Suns too. And that whole story with Chris Paul and, and, and Monty Williams and, and Devin Booker. I think they're a great young team. It, you want to go to the finals? You go, you 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 sign Jay Crowder. So whoever wants whoever wants to go to the finals, sign Jay. Is that a Jay Crowder's going to go. Jay Crowder's going to the Lakers. That's what's going to happen. Jay Crowder you, to the Lakers. Who do you think's more? I mean, between the Bucks and the Suns, which team do you think's more likely to be back in the finals next year? I think, I think the Suns. I think the Suns. I just think that the West. There's a lot to figure out. Um, you know, we'll talk about it. No, I mean, we can, t- I, I'll, I'll bring it up now. I just think there's a lot of like reports about who's going to sign who to like be up. Granted, the Clippers looked really good. They have a really good, they still, for me, they're still like have really good depth and, and they can always win it. Um, but a lot of the teams in the West, I still need, I need to, I don't really know where they stand. Like how many times are we going to say the jazz and the nuggets are the team and then they don't perform, you know, I, I, 
I, I think that they can take advantage. They have a really good young core. They got a great coach. They have Devin Booker, who has a huge ceiling for what he can do. Will Chris Paul still be there? Maybe, maybe not. I don't really know. Hard to say. Um, but also, I just think the Bucks have to play the Nets, and they won't beat the Nets when the Nets are healthy. They won't because they make too many mistakes and don't take advantage of enough situations um, to play two of those players, let alone three of them. You know what I mean? They played one and a half of those players and almost lost. They played one and a they half. Bas- they basically played one. I mean, like James Harden, once he got in, like he shouldn't have even been on the court, quite frankly. Like that that guy was – he was he wasn't on the court. He was a body, but it was like that's not, that's not James Harden. Right, exactly. So, you know, I, I, I'm going to say the Suns. I'm ex- more excited about the Suns. And I also – we talked about this. I don't – I think Monty Williams is a better coach than Mike Budenholzer. So, like, I, I just think that, like – if you're talking about a coach who can get his team to the finals again, I don't trust Budenholzer as much as I trust Monty Williams. I think Monty Williams can get there. Budenholzer got lucky. I'm sorry, a, he did. That's a bold. That's a bold statement. I think he made some terrible decisions down the stretch. I think he did. He didn't know. Like I just felt like a lot of the time he was just hoping for the best, and you know that's fine. But like this, they won not because of Mike Budenholzer. They didn't win because of Mike Budenholzer, and and I think that. You know, he's getting credit because they won and he deserves it for sure. But I, I don't know that I don't know that he's the he's the coach to take them to a second final, especially past the Brooklyn Nets. Um but yeah, a great yeah, final. I, I think that's the bigger part. I mean, because I think Bud I think Bud's as good of a coach as there is in the NBA. If I if I had to choose between Bud and Monty, I'd take Bud. Um I think Monty's a great coach, but I think Bud is a great I think sometimes the Bucks players, like you want to talk about somebody who does make good decisions. Giannis, there were so many times in that net series where Giannis would like to do, like, would fade away a jumper. And I was just like, thank you for doing that because I'm cheering for the Nets. But what are you doing? Take it to right. the rack, dude. Like, you're seven feet tall and you're quick as hell. Like, go and take it to the rack. But I, I agree. I think it's the Suns. And you make a good point. I think the West is still much tougher. Like, the Lakers are, are going to be back next year. LeBron's going to be a little better and AD is going to be healthy. The Clippers. I, I think Kawhi is going to come back. I, I'd be surprised if he, he – I think he's at least going to give it one more more run with this with these Clippers, and, and they should still be deadly. I think the Jazz will be back. The Nuggets, who I think are, are definitely one of the favorites, if Michael Porter Jr. can keep getting better, and Jamal Murray is healthy. I mean, having no Jamal Murray for the these playoffs w- was a huge, huge hit. Uh, you bring him back, their, their team becomes so tough to, to, to guard, especially like with Michael Porter Jr.'s size and what Jokic can do. Like that, that team's a matchup nightmare in the uh, in the NBA, even. Um, but as tough as there is for the West, mostly I'm not sure the Bucks can get by the by the Nets. Like you've got three guys who, on their day, are, are unguardable. Um, and, but also, like the Suns, I think I feel like the Suns, like the Bucks, were. I mean, they were like the top seed the last two years, or, or I think the last two years. Like the Bucks have been growing this thing. And it's kind of been like, all right, are they going to be able to do this or not? Like Giannis, two-time MVP and everything. I feel like the Suns, we talked about it a lot from the bubble last year. We were like, damn, the Suns, the Suns have, have got something clicking. And this year they got their stride going. But it feels like it's the beginning of something in Phoenix as opposed to – and not even that it's the end of anything in Milwaukee, but they're kind of in the thick of it in Milwaukee while the Suns are like, all right, now, now we're rolling. Like Devin Booker's still so young. DeAndre Ayton got better by the game this year. I mean, his rebounding and his defense, let alone what he could do in the pick and roll, 
was so, so impressive to see those improvements. So it, it feels like a team that's just starting their their climb and, and their competitiveness. So I agree with you that I, that I think it's the Suns. And, and with CP3 coming back and, and those guys only getting better, like I, I think there's still room for growth for Booker and Aiton, which, which is pretty scary. Um, I, they, they seem like a team that could really, you know, get rocking and rolling. And they also – like Dario Saric isn't a great player, but he is a part of an impactful player for them in that rotation. Like it would have been a different series if he had stayed healthy. It, I'm not even – more than that, the Suns would have won if he was there. They needed one more big man to give DeAndre Ayton a little, little less to do. And, yeah. and he becomes effective in those clutch moments. And I'm sorry, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton are the closest things I've seen in a while to Kobe and Shaq. They just yeah. are. And so, like, I think if you grow those players together, give it two years. You'll be back and you'll be winning. I mean, I really do think so, as long as they can stick together and, and create that kind of mentality and keep a good coach there and have some depth. I really think that they they are more the team Whereas the Bucks have to play the Nets, that for me it just does it right there. They do. It's all, they it's all to less to do about like either team, and like we said, the West is certainly more competitive. Like there's more teams that could knock off the Suns in the West than than the Bucks. Like I'm not really like the Bucks are probably the second best team in, in in the East. But man, the talent that the Nets have, you're just like, how are you? Like a healthy Harden is almost unguardable. We saw. Durant, like we all kind of forgot how good Kevin Durant was, and he was like, "Let, let me, let you remind me, let me remind, let me remind you, I'm a seven foot tall shooting guard. I can score from literally anywhere, anywhere, anywhere that I, any, just ridiculous." And I also like think that if the tables were turned, I'd say the same thing. If the Nets were in the West, I'd say, "Yeah, the Bucks are going. The Bucks yeah. will go to the final. And the Suns yeah. won't go anywhere because the Nets are there." You know, so. It's not even hitting on the conferences. It's simply that team is the team that I think is the least likely. It's when the Warriors were at their top. It's like you want to talk about any other team in the West being good. It's like, yeah, but you got to play the Warriors. Yeah. And the Warriors, you're not going to beat the Warriors in seven. Not so like, yeah, it's just not going to happen. So, yeah, exciting to see what happens with all these teams. I mean, when you talk about next season, can the Nets stay healthy? I still think they need a little more depth to, like, really push themselves over the line. Yeah. Um, if, especially if they aren't going to stay healthy, which you, you don't really know with KD. was still, like, granted, he did so well off the Achilles injury, but you don't know the long-term effect of that. So I still think that's something to worry about. Harden, obviously, coming back from injury. Kyrie needs to show me that he can play more than 10 games without needing a three-week break. I, You know, that's that's hard for a team to get through. Um, yeah, and, I mean, they played, they literally played, those three played seven games together. Like, that's, yeah. that's nuts. Which I do think, I mean, I think the, the Nets always kind of knew – this, 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 you know, it wasn't like, all right, when, when now or, or we're done. Um, I, I think next season was always kind of the goal. Um, but you, you got to play better together. And like, sometimes I worry almost like, I know the lack of playing is to prevent injury, but like, sometimes I almost worry that it then makes them more injury prone, like not being used to like, just not having your body playing that much. I, I could be wrong, and it was a crazy year for injuries anyway. Like, there's so many, so many players injured um, that I'm sure COVID had had impacted that. It was a quick turnaround in the next season and everything. Um, but it's if, – if, if they're healthy, uh, even – and like like you said, I do think there's some depth and, and, and especially like low post uh, defensive positional worry that, that you got. Um, but with those three guys, it's like how are you – 
they they couldn't stop Durant and like Durant almost single handedly won that. If if you had if Harden would have just been a little healthy, they would have won that game. He, he oh they would not make he just couldn't make a shot. He couldn't do anything. So it's it's gonna be tough to beat him. There's there's no doubt about that. Right, for sure. And it's also going to depend on out of the West. You have two teams that are looking to make moves. Can they make those moves that will get them to the dominance that they've had in the past? You have the Lakers. You know LeBron's doing recruiting. There's a lot of talk that he's going to get Russell Westbrook. If you got Russell Westbrook and LeBron James and and AD, I mean, if you can do that, then like that's another team that you don't want to play for sure. Um, and I think the Warriors should go out and get Bradley Beal. I think they should. And I think that that would make them a, a team, again, to worry about, uh, especially if Steph can return to some of the play that he was doing um, with the Warriors this season. And especially if they can get Wiseman back and 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 healthy and like kind of on the trajectory that he was before the injury. Um, Bucks, yeah, I, think, I, think, I agree. I do think I think the because like a lot of people seem to think like the Warriors are like right there. I don't like I, I agree no. with you. I think if they make if they make some moves and they're aggressive, if they add a guy, you know, another a star. Uh, then, then I think they're they're they can get to there, especially with how good Steph is. We we, I think another guy that we kind of forgot how good they can be and ha- like how single handedly he can just take over a game. But it, there's so many people that seem to think that like they're one of the top teams in the NBA, and and I, I'm not sure they're in the top ten right now. You know, like I, I think they I think they have to make make some moves, and and uh, I don't know what those moves are. Beal's at Beal might be a good one, but then you know, how do you fit Beal, Steph, and Clay? But then you know, and there's still the worry about Clay. I mean, Clay hasn't played in like two years now. Sometimes you don't come. I mean, there was even that apprehension with Durant. Where it was kind of like, is he going to be the same player? Sometimes guys aren't. Sometimes they are. I think Kevin Durant's got the benefit of, of like I said, he's seven feet tall. Where he, he's got a pretty big advantage when you're that big and you're basically a shooting guard. It's not like the Derrick Rose thing where like Derrick Rose's explosiveness was so meaningful to how he played that once he lost it, it was, he, he couldn't be the same player. Um, and, and Clay is, you know, Clay could be a spot up shooter, but Clay was also a really, really good defender. His, his defense sometimes got underrated uh, of how good he was for the, for the Warriors. So can he come back and, and be close to what he was? Um, I, there's, there's certainly there for the Warriors to take that jump. Like you said, I, I think a move could get him there, but I I'm there's like I, I don't get why people think they're they're right there with them. No, I think they're top sixteen, just like their bottom of the West finish uh, West playoffs showed. I think that you know you can get pretty far with one fantastic player for sure, but you you know I think that they need to make a move. They need to strengthen their younger guys, maybe sign a couple rotation players, and then anything that Clay Thompson brings to the table is the bonus that maybe gets you to be a little competitive. But they need to be competitive without Clay Thompson because I don't remember the last time that someone went through back-to-back injuries like Clay Thompson was and was anything close to what they were. So yeah. it would I would love to see it. I would oh, love. I'm, to I'm see hoping. It. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, but it's just like very unlikely, um, and so you can't rely on it. And also the la- the other last thing I'll talk about in this NBA offseason, you know, first I I mean. Let me talk the Celtics really quick. I love that they got rid of Kemba Walker. I think that that was not you know. It just didn't work out. We'll see what happens. I love the new coach. Um, and I think that, you know, it just remains to be seen what they can do. I'm a, I'm a little worried about what, what that formation is going to work look like. And I'm a little worried what can happen. And same thing with the Heat. You know, can they return to form? Uh, I think they're one player off of it as well. Um, what will Ben Simmons do? I mean, I have no idea. You know what? I, you know what? I, we talked about this a little bit. You know what I think 
the 76ers should do because they're not they're not doing anything in the East. They are not doing anything in the East next year, regardless of Ben Simmons, you know, improving 100%. They're not doing anything in the East. So they should try to maximize his value. They should put all their effort into Ben Simmons being the best player that he could possibly be, and then you trade him. I don't care how good he is, yeah, then you trade him. I agree. Then you trade the shit out of him, and then you do it, and that'll be I, fine, and then you can do something. I think they have they have to wait till the till the regular season until he can show that he's still – and I just – like – I. Ben Simmons has a bunch of ability. I still think Ben Simmons can be a really good player in this league, but it's right. almost it's almost like he's got the yips. But it's weird because it's like it's not that he is missing shots; it's that he's like not taking them. Like he is so in his head right now, where I do think he needs to get out of Philly uh, and, and and go somewhere else where he can. I mean, like we saw Marco Marco Fultz couldn't hit the broadside of a barn while he was in Philly. He's killing it down in Orlando. Like sometimes you just need to get out of, of, of a bad situation where you're just so in your head. Uh, and I think that's the case for Ben Simmons, but I agree. Like he, his last showing was so poor. You're not going to be able to really get what you probably should be able to get for Ben Simmons and for what he brings to the table. I mean, yeah. I mean, name a player that you would trade for Ben Simmons on any big team. I, I mean, I would trade. <sighs> I, I don't even know. I, Gordon Hayward tough maybe. to say right now yeah I mean yeah I mean like I I don't really and like you know what they should do they should sign Michael Jordan to a four-week contract have him bully Ben Simmons until he's good at shooting and then they can <laughs> they can they can uh he shoots again play. yeah but I mean yeah. the, the Sixers too like their whole team and like just organization seem to make things like there's tough times where like I was talking about Giannis making his life more difficult against the Nets Joel Embiid loves to make his life more difficult. Or it's just like, dude, be a seven. Like, I think it's fine that you can shoot the three. And I think it's good that you do that every now and then. Like, yes, but spread the floor. But like, also, you're a seven foot center. Like, go be a seven foot center. Tobias Harris, like some of the signings they've done and just the money they've got lined up. Like, I, Tobias Harris's contract has always been such a dumb one to me. Uh, it, it, like, when they got Horford from the Celtics, it was like, how many big men do you guys, what era do you think of basketball you're playing? Like, the Sixers make so many moves where you're just like, what are you guys working for here? Like, what is the end goal here? Because it kind of seems like you're just doing a bunch of random ass shit. I mean, all Philly sports teams, right? <laughs> like all Philly sports teams right now don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. Hello Eagles. Hello Phillies. Hello Flyers. None of you can do anything. God. None of you are really making a lot of sense. That's kind of yes. typical Philly. Uh, it is. It is. And then they win and everyone won't shut up about it. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens. They win one. They win one title. Yeah. We got the the NBA draft this Thursday. Yeah. You think anybody besides Kate Cunningham is going number one? No, they can blow all the smoke up my ass. They will. The most that's going to happen is someone's going to trade into that number one spot and take Kate Cunningham. But I don't even think then. I'm sorry. Like, you're not taking anyone but Kate Cunningham. They can tell this. They can do this whole thing where they're like, oh, you know, we're still looking at the other. uh, They're not a number one lock. You know, that's just to see if some team is crazy enough to trade them like everybody and the farm to, to get Kate Cunningham. Then, yeah, you know, then you do that. That's when a team like the Cavaliers and the Pistons can, like, trade for, like, that Which top Apparently top the pick. Thunder. Apparently the Thunder did offer them a, a pretty nice package. But it's like if the Thunder if the Thunder can't make a package with all the draft picks that they have, you're clearly not trading that pick. Yeah, no, for sure. And, like, 
yeah, especially if they offered SGA, which I heard was a rumor that they did too. I mean, that's 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 a game changer. So yeah, I think it's Cade Cunningham. He just signed that Nike deal too. So like, I think that's the way that it's looking. He's going to be the centerpiece. Uh, but I'm not, I don't even care. Like Kate Cunningham's going to be fine, but like, I'm excited about some of these other players like Jalen Suggs. That's who I'm excited to see who gets Jalen Suggs gets that impact player, Evan Mobley. Like, what is he going to be? We saw what Deandre Ayton can be. Evan Mobley reminds me of that. Like, can he be kind of like a Deandre Ayton kind of player? You know, you have the two Butler guys going up, Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler, which one of them can show out. Everyone thinks Davion Mitchell has more potential, but we've seen Jared Butler-like players go to the NBA and continue their really good, you know, college play, even though they might not have the metrics that you're thinking of in the NBA. Speaking of players who don't have the metrics that you want, where's Luca Garza going to go? Can he do anything? I hope he can. I would love to cheer him on. I will get that jersey. Even if it's a Heat jersey, I will get it. Like, let's go. Dude, it's a Heat jersey. Dude, I think oh. I think J- Davion Mitchell could be the best player in this draft. I, I think so? he I think he is so good defensively and offensively. Like, I, I almost feel like he's a sleeper, even though he's probably going to go in the top 10. And, and I get why, you know, all these other guys are going to go in front of him because they're 6'8", 6'6". They're, I mean, Evan Mobley can guard almost every position on the court. Jalen Green's a great player. Uh, Suggs, who I think – I don't see Suggs ever being a superstar. I, I think Suggs is – it almost he'd almost seems so perfect for him to go to the Raptors because he feels like a Kyle Lowry, like a guy who's going to be really, really strong. I don't think Suggs is ever going to like lead you to a title, but I think he can be a, a big part of a title uh, winning team. Uh, but I think Davion Mitchell could like could really, really impact the game at the next level. I, I just think he brings so much energy and 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 just what he brings offensively and and particularly defensively. Like the guys. The guy's a great basketball player. And I know when you're six feet tall, like you just kind of get overlooked a lot. But I, but I think he's – whoever gets him, I, I think is going to get an absolute baller. Of course, there's lots of talks about Scotty Barnes. People are falling in love with him. I was never impressed with him at Florida State. I, I get why he's looked at as a great prospect. And, you know, I'm, I never wish – ill will towards any kid. I hope the guy is as good as people think he can become, but I never really saw it there at Florida state. Uh, I saw the pieces of it, but it's just because you got the, just because you got the potential. Yeah. Like just because you got the potential doesn't mean you're, you're going to get it done. Um, I I guess the good, the thing with Scotty Barnes is he is so big and can do, you know, he's not quite as skilled as Cade Cunningham, but he can do a lot where it's kind of like, all right, there's no way this guy is not going to be able to figure out some role in the NBA. Um, I'm just not sure he's going to be like a, a superstar, like like some people kind of are thinking. Um, but you, dude, you mentioned Garza. I hope he gets drafted, but I think there's no doubt East Camp gets drafted. Last thing I'm I'm seeing oh, yeah. here in his, his early second round, I would love to see him go in the first round somehow. It, he he certainly too is the more NBA player. I mean, when you talk about that guy. His his shooting stroke is is gorgeous. Led the led the country in three point shooting percentage last year. He's got the size at six six. I think he needs to be a little more aggressive, both at attacking the hoop and just like defensively. But but he's got the size. He's got the shot. So I I think I'd love, I hope if he could sneak into the first round. I don't think he's probably going to just because he doesn't have quite like the athleticism and, and doesn't have quite the hype around him. Because honestly, you look at Wieskamp and you're like, wait, how, why is Corey Kispert so much 
better of a prospect than Wieskamp. I I guess Kispert can make his own shot a little bit more, but like that's not what he's going to be doing at the next level. So I, I think Wieskamp is going to be uh, a great draft buyer or a great player picked by whoever gets him. Um, and, and man, I hope Garza just finds his. He, he's such a hard worker, and I think you know you watch a guy like Brook Lopez. He doesn't have quite the explosiveness that Brooke Lopez does, but like I, he can play that role. Luca Garza can do that. Uh, mostly, I just hope they both get picked because it'd be the first time uh, the Hawks have had two players drafted in the NBA draft since 1998. So it's been a long, long time, um, and, and I'd love to, to see that happen. Yeah, and as as always, I hope my team picks them both. I hope the Celtics get Luca Garza, Joe Wieskamp, and and build a team. That's all I hope for. Dude, or really come, or all come I to hope. New York, man. Come to the Knicks. Come to the Nets. Uh, please, please come play where go, I can If see one of them you, goes I to would... one of those teams, I'm getting that jersey immediately. Yeah, absolutely. We're go- we're getting those jerseys and we're going to those games and we're going to be the biggest whatever fans ever. Like if he gets a oh, can you? I can imagine. Luca Garza playing for the Knicks? Are you kidding? Yeah. Let's go. Let's go, Knicks. Let's do it. He's going to light up Madison Square Garden. Oh, he's going to lock it up. 30 points a game with Julius Randle. Let's go. <laughs> what a matchup that'll be. Yeah, I mean, I think with Garza, like, you know he's never going to be – he's probably never even going to be a starter in the league. The guy, as great as he is offensively, he ain't great on defense. And – his his mobility is a little leaves leaves you wanting um but i think he is such a smart player and such an offensively skilled player where and if you can get a seven footer that can knock down some threes for you team teams will take that right now like if you're a quality three-point shooter sometimes that's all they want in the nba so i i I think he's got that and and i just hope they both hear their name called because as much as they'll both get a shot in the nba but there's something different than getting drafted than signing a you know a free agent deal yeah for sure i totally agree and uh the last thing i'll say about the draft we'll see how this g league route kind of goes through jalen green uh, obviously a big prospect but we don't really know a lot so i you know highly touted but you know unless your name is lebron james or kobe bryant coming out of high school you know kind of loses its loses its glamour a little bit um so I, I i'm excited to see what that turns into but uh, It'll be interesting to, to see too if they like what it does to their transition because right. you know Jalen Green and, and Jonathan Kaminga have have been playing against grown men all year. That's that's different than playing college players. So like, yeah, will will they at the next level kind of pick it up a little quicker? Will they be more used to that physicality? Will it help them? Um, I think obviously it hasn't hurt them prospect wise too much, but you kind of do wonder if they had both been in college and, and the world, the basketball world had watched them this year, would they be talked about a little bit more? Would, would people be a little more high on them? Um, because I mean, I didn't, I don't watch any G league games this year. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, no, me neither. I'm excited for summer ball though. I'll watch summer ball all day. Oh, I love, I really love summer ball. So the the biggest news, as I said, it's it's been kind of a, a tumultuous Olympics so far. It has not been uh, a picture perfect one, and and probably the, the biggest news from it so far has been Simone Biles having to sit out of the team competition for the women's gymnastics. The USA ended up getting silver, so you know not a horrible horrible thing in the end. But uh, when you're missing 
you know, easily the best gymnast right now, maybe of all time. Yet you have to wonder what would have been if she could have competed there. And, it, and it's kind of one of those situations where it's, it, I heard so many different conflicting reports at first. Like the first thing I heard was that it was like a mental health thing that Simone couldn't compete. Then I did see one thing that it was like, oh, she did the vault and then she went and talked to the trainer and then she came back out and her leg was wrapped. But then they were like, no, it's not. So like, it's been one of those things where you haven't really gotten a clear picture. End of the day, you've got one of the marquee athletes of these games not being able to compete. Uh, and and unfortunately, that's been the case for, for a lot of things, for a lot of athletes in this one, um, more, more so COVID-wise. But man, it's been, it's been a tough Olympics to watch. Yeah, it's definitely been weird. And like, you know, there's some great things to watch for sure still. But the U- on the U.S. side of things, first of all, like Portugal never com- – this is like a personal thing. Portugal never competes well at the Olympics. Germany only competes at the Winter Olympics. So, like, the U.S. is my team in the in the Summer Olympics. That's what you want to see. Well, and for the first – beat ass. They usually do. But, you know, Simone Biles, kind of complicated. I don't really know what to say. Um, them finishing second sucks. Uh, Katie Ledecky not winning was was a huge like loss as well. And then team wise, I mean, you have granted. Let's let's throw a shout out to the women's basketball team, the real goats of this of this. Uh, Although they had party. a close game against Nigeria. Yeah, but Nigeria was was a good team. It's not like they're not a good team. Uh, they're not that good. I mean, you know, the USA women's team is is used to beating teams probably more handily than the men's team. Yeah, well, the men's team's not beating anyone handily right now. So I know, but, the, but the, the women only won by what, like nine? Yeah, but, you know, I, I just – what I'm saying is watching the men's basketball suck is hard, and then watching the U.S. women's soccer team not be able to win out is also hard. That it's one, like That one's happened? far more shocking to me. I mean, they should be destroying teams. They tie Australia, which Australia is a fine team, but to not score a goal at all is like they should be beating nuts. They should be beating them, and they should have. They they shouldn't have lost. I mean, Sweden looks like they're going to win the whole thing. Um, and and the, like, loss to, the loss to Sweden in itself isn't like a horror. I mean, Sweden's always has has great women's soccer, but like anytime, I don't I don't care what so- two soccer teams they are. Anytime someone beats you three nil. It's, I mean, it's not really a, a close match, you know? Right, exactly. And, like, you think about it, they had that one game against New Zealand where they have six goals, fine, but they haven't scored a goal outside of that game. They have yeah. been held to zero twice, which is kind of crazy. Um, so it's been hard to watch. Obviously, some good news as well. And, and like, you know, I, I believe that surfing is having their first Olympic round, and it was a U.S. woman who won the surf, first surfer's gold medal, which is really, really cool. Um, but, yeah, you know, on the tennis side of things, it's been really hard to watch. You know, Naomi Osaka going out, we talked about, but also, like, a lot of players having to withdraw because of COVID. Um, it's been hit or miss. Of course, like the Olympics, there's always great stories. I believe the Philippines had their first ever gold medalist, which is really cool. Um, Bermuda had their first gold medalist in the uh, women's triathlon. Right. I believe there was the oldest Olympic medalist ever crowned, uh, given the medal this this Olympics, a 55-year-old man uh, in dressage, which is like, you know, horse dancing, fine. But like, uh, horse. you know, it's like horse dancing. But, uh, you know, still, 55 years old and getting a silver medal, that's great. And so oh. – 
And I think there's some heroes to wait for for the U.S. that are going to be great. I mean, I don't know if, first of all, skateboarding. I'm so excited to watch some skateboarding action. Um, Naomi Graham, I don't know if you've heard about Naomi Graham in boxing. She's the first active military female to ever compete for the U.S. So that's that's baller. I'm so excited to watch her compete in boxing. Uh, and then it's Clarence Cummings Jr., boxing prodigy, age 21. I want him. I mean, he's going to be... I hope he does well, and then I hope he brings some boxing glory to the U.S. That's what I want. That's what I need out of a U.S. boxer. Um, so, yeah, there's still some stuff to watch. It's been weird so far. It's been super weird. And, like, I, it, it, I'm it, disappointing on all fronts. Like, even yeah. when the U.S. isn't involved, it's just been like, okay, I guess. Like, that's cool. Uh, oh, and it is, you know, it is one of those those events that is, like, it's 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 less about like who specifically wins as much as I always want the USA to win. I mean, I think we're still top of the the medal count right now. I think we have twenty five, and I think Japan's got tw- or no, China's got twenty one. Uh, Japan does have the most gold medals at ten, uh, and the United States and China have nine. But like, it is less about like that and more of just like it is such a fun celebration, especially for a bunch of sports that don't. I mean, besides you know, obviously there's basketball, there's tennis, golf, but like a bunch of sports that don't normally get as much viewers uh, and, and this much screen time and, and, and this much just like dedication to people watching them. Uh, so like, that's what I think more of, of what it is. And without all the fans and without just like the normal kind of fanfare around it, because, because there can't be, it really, it's, it's deflated the whole, whole thing. And, and it makes you, you know, wonder like, should these games be going on? and, at the macro, like probably not, but it is tough because so many times for Olympians, you you get like one chance. Like it, you're only going to go to one Olympics. There's not. It's not something that you get to go to every single time that it's going on. Not only because it's you know every four years, but because it's tough to do. So I, I get why they've tried to push on through it. Of course, they're pushing on through it more because money and and all that. But like. For the, the the micro part of it of, of the individual athletes, like, I I get why we're trying to make this work because you know we want it to work and we want we want to celebrate these athletes, but man, it's it's just felt deflating the whole time. Um, and yeah, and it's also uh, it started off not hopeful. Like already, like the day before, they were like COVID shutting down everything, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't even want to watch. And also, like on a selfish note. I absolutely hate when international tournaments are not in countries that make it sense for me to watch. Like, especially like the Olympics, which is NBC like- NBC post- doesn't do a good job. They do a horrible job. Horrible job. They do a horrible, horrible job. job. Exactly. And it's just like, why should I care? Like, honestly, guys, if you want some Olympics news, our social media page does a better job at covering it than the NBC does. I'll let you know what you need to care about, and that's it. Well, and then like what sucks too is like NBC is so shitty at like, I mean, I, I get if you want to replay stuff during the prime time, you know, hours of, of TV viewership, you should still have it on like when it's on. And they don't yeah. do that a lot of times. And then all the other sports at, uh, outlets, because they don't give a shit about NBC, they, they don't want NBC's ratings to be good, are still going to tell you what happens. So like before you NBC even gives you the chance to watch it because they don't have a way for you to watch it. ESPN's already telling you what occurred. So then it's like, well, this sucks. Like NBC, I, I, I want them to stop having the Olympics because I don't think they do a good job of, even when it was in Rio, which is not all that far off, like 
a time zone close to us. They did a horrible job. Like they don't, I don't think they do a good job of making sure that, that things are being viewed and, and it annoys the hell out of me. I mean, you own all these, you know, all these channels own 50 other channels, put it on everything you own, but they've got it on USA. They've got it on MSNBC. Sometimes they have it on NBC only sometimes. And then, I mean, the NBC sports channel usually has stuff on, but even most of the stuff they've had have on, like it's almost always replays from forever ago. When I'm like, I don't care about this now. Like what? Right. No. Or they should be, or they should be really clear. Like they should be doing a better job publicity wise of being like, here's what we're doing from this hour to this hour live. And then here's what we're doing this hour to this hour replay. And honestly, they should pick three events they should do those three live and then they should do those three played over. And then you can care, you know, but they don't do that. And they, and then they kind of pick randomly what we're paying attention to. And it's yeah. like, I know you want to cover as much as possible, but when the country is Tokyo and your main place that you're broadcasting to is the U S you got to pick and choose. Like you can have a little, have an hour segment where you said, here's all the gold medals you missed. One, two, three, four, five. We don't need to see that live. We don't need to see water polo live. I'm sorry. I love water polo. Think it's so cool. But like, just go through the final match of that. You don't need to. You don't need to do this whole other thing about it. And they got um, the capability yeah. to also still show that stuff. Like even Peacock right. has like an Olympic thing where you can like pick the sport. But like the way they've done it on their stupid streaming thing isn't doesn't even make sense. Like you can't watch it when you would want to watch. Like it makes no sense. And I I'm not a fan of how they do it. Um, we won't talk too much more about the Olympics, but Jan, I'd like to know what are some of your favorite Olympic sports? Because it is such a, a conglomeration of, of sports we don't normally watch. Right. I mean, I love watching uh, racing. I, I think track can definitely save this Olympics if you have some cool like runners like to, to root for. Um, I love beach volleyball. So much fun to watch always. I, I love beach volleyball. Um, and I, I actually... I, I actually like the three v three women's basketball setup. I think it's funny, and I and I just like it's an interesting way to watch basketball be played. Um, but yeah, and, the, and but like my number one is always going to be swimming for the summer. It's about the swimmers, and like especially like relay swimming is so exciting, um, and individual swimmers are so fun to root for, especially on the U.S. side. So I'm going to say swimming is my favorite, but a lot of great things to watch. Yeah, I was. I mean. I feel like the obvious is always track, swimming, and gymnastics, which are always so much fun to watch. Uh, but out of like the random ones to watch, I actually do kind of like watching water polo, and I kind of love watching handball. Like I'm always oh. like, how did you become a handball player? But it's it's yeah. fun as hell to watch. Like, and it's such a like combination of like basketball and soccer. And I, I don't know how anybody is supposed to be a handball goalie. Like I, I'm pretty sure that I could be a handball goalie because they seem to score. Basically every single time. No offense, handball goalies. Yeah. It, it, if anything, it just seems like a tough job. But it's it's kind of a hilarious sport to watch. Yeah, it is. And you're right. They always do get scored on. So it's just kind of like, what what are we doing? It's this little ball that they just like spike at you. Like, how are you supposed to stop that? Like, I don't – most impossible yeah, job I'm, in the world. Right. Germany's good at handball too. So actually I'm going to watch more of that. I mean, they beat Argentina first game, lost to Spain by one. I, I'm going to watch that. I think Germany, that's the sport that Germany can be good at. Cause they, they usually kill at the it's handball. It's new passion. It's going to be my new passion. I'll tell you guys all about the handball. Don't you worry. You're going to know way too much about handball. <laughs> 
Yeah, we like we really like to cover all the sports. We're gonna start just devoting an hour. There's got to be a professional handball league, right? Oh, Germany has one. Bayern yeah. Munich has a handball. I was gonna, team. I was gonna ask if Bayern Munich had a team, since I love how that's the case for like all European sports. Not all, but like for so many, it's like FC Barcelona, or I guess not FC Barcelona, but Barcelona, and then like they've got a basketball team. They've got a everything. Like I love that. Yeah, no, FC Bayern has a basketball team. It's the weirdest thing. I'll let you know. It's the weirdest thing Germany have. Like, a, Apparently, a FC Bayern uh, also has a chess team. That, that's what's up. Yeah, that is what is up. That is what is up. <laughs> a table tennis team. They've got a bowling team. That, that's incredible. Oh. All right. We're moving on from the Olympics. I've got two more just topics to hit on. But first one is Conor McGregor. Do you think he's done? Yes. This is not a quick yes, fire question. It's not even a question to me. I thought he was done after the last fight. I'm I'm sorry. Like this fight solidified it for sure. But Dustin Poirier is a great fighter, but he didn't look. I mean, I guess in the first fight, I'll give him a little bit. He had some rounds that he could have won, but like Conor McGregor exists as a performer. We've talked about this. He exists as a performer, not because he's at the top of his game anymore. And if he can't even perform anymore, you know, he should find the place where he can still perform. You know, otherwise he's just going to become like a fading out fighter who starts to fight lesser and lesser opponents. For what reason? We don't really need to see that. Um, Yeah, I'm sorry, Connor. Like you talk the good talk, but then you can't fight. You know, Dustin Poirier was kicking your ass even before you broke your leg. Uh, And so like he should just your next opponent should be Logan Paul or Jake Paul or what? That's what your next opponent should be. Get that money. You're done. I actually would, uh, I actually would watch that because I feel like McGregor would be the kind of person that would like would knock him out instead of just like oh yeah chilling. Hundred percent. That's what we that's what we want to see. And like, there's just so many. You know what it is? It's not even against Connor. It's just there's so many good fighters right now. There's so so many good fighters. Yeah. Like why why should we? Why should he get another chance? I don't really. Well, know. like you know, you look at Connor too, and like even at his at the top of his peak, he was. A, a pretty one-dimensional fighter. I mean, he wasn't really like this this guy that had a bunch of, of skills. He was he was mostly just a guy that could hit the shit out of you and and would like. I mean, the guy just could absolutely throw hands and and he hit you right and you'd be done. But it wasn't like he brought a ton to the table. Like he he was pretty. And I think the more you fight, even when you're really good, I mean, because you can do that as a fighter. You can kind of be a one-trick pony. But the one the more you fight, the more people start figuring out that that one trick so i i mean competitively i i think he's done i don't think he's ever going to be competing for for you know titles or anything like that again the thing is he's still easily the biggest name in combat sports where i I don't think dana white's going to stop giving him fights because his name carries so much weight in selling pay-per-views and everything like that that he'll he'll probably still get fights for that that sheer thing alone how long will that last? Who knows? Because like eventually if you keep on losing, eventually your name starts to, to lose that luster. But I don't think it has yet. Like I really think he has such such a stranglehold on that aspect of, you know, the fight world that I don't think he's going anywhere quite yet. And like the way he lost, I think casual MMA fans would be like, oh, like McPoyer just got lucky. Like Connor's fine and all that. So, like, they're not really going to hold it against him. Obviously, if you watch the sport enough, you're kind of going to be like, oh, Corey was smart. He, he caught you in that fashion because he knew what you were trying to do. Like, yeah, there's some luck to it that he broke his foot, but Corey was still winning that fight and, and was going to go on to win it. Um, but I think just, like, the way – how much money he can make, 
it, it's tough to see him going away completely. Uh, but as far as, you know, fighting and fights that mean anything, I, I think he's done. Yeah, I agree too. And also, like, you have to have a question about Connor's pride. Like, yeah, Dana White will keep scheduling him fights. Don't, no worries. But, like, what kind of fights is Connor McGregor willing to take, knowing that that part of his life is done? That's what I'm questioning. You know, is he willing to fight in just random headline fights against guys who want to have a shot at the title? And he's just the guy that you need to get past to to even get that shot when he's not going to get that shot anymore. I don't know if his pride is going to allow him to do that because he can only. Depends, I don't on, know. How much, depends I, on how much money he's, he's, you know, your pride. When they, when they offer you eight figures. I'm not, substantial I'm not saying eight figures. No, I know. I'm no, I, but, I, but I think kind of like, you know, I get where you're coming from. I just think, you know, it's easier to swallow your pride and it's like, hey, here's $30 million. Like, oh, okay. I'm cool with that. Yeah. I'll fight him. I'll, I'll swallow my pride for $30 million, Stan yeah, White. Exactly. I'll do it. <laughs> All right, Jan, we've made it. They're back. It's quick fire questions time. Let's do it. All righty. There were five rookie quarterbacks taken in the first round of this year's draft. How many of those five do you think we'll see playing time this season? Playing time this season. Well, Trevor Lawrence obviously in play, player time, so that's one. Um, ooh, I mean, and then Zach, Zach obviously Wilson will play for the Jets, so that's never really number two. So that's definitely two. Um, I think we will see Mac Jones at some point this season. I don't have any confidence in Cam Newton that he can stay healthy. Not even that he can do well, that he can stay healthy. So I think Mac Jones will get a game or two. Not that he'll take the place, but that he'll get a game or two in at least towards the end of the season. Um, because we're also assuming that the Patriots can compete in the AFC. And I have, you know, great signings. Don't get me wrong, but I got to, with the Bills, they, ha- they have to play the Bills twice. They have to play the Dolphins twice who are who are building and building. You don't know that that's going to happen. So I think that we'll see Mac Jones. So that's definitely three. Um, I think we'll see Justin Fields. I think we will. I don't think Andy Dalton can hold on to that job for long enough, especially, again, in a tough division where the Vikings look, you know, have the have the weapons to beat them, where the Packers are getting Rodgers back. Um, I, I just think that they are going to have to play Justin Fields at some point. Trey Lance is the only one I'm not sure about. I don't know if Trey Lance play. You know what? I'm going to, since I'm giving everyone else a shot, I'm going to say we see four or five. I think Trey Lance kind of plays like a red shirt first year, uh, like kind of like a Patrick Mahomes did. They get rid of Garoppolo in the offseason, uh, and then they they play him for the foreseeable future. So I'm going to say four or five. I, I agree. I think it's four or five. We differ on the uh, the Lance Fields. I think Lance is going to see time, and I, I think they're going to keep Fields off off the field as much as they can if they can. But but I also think yeah. I mean I think there's a good chance we, we see all all five of them. And I Definitely. you know we'll see too. Like if Garoppolo hits the ground running, it who knows? But they're they're excited about Lance. It's it's a fun class to watch, and I, and I do think we're going to see more. I mean, like you said, the. Wilson and, and Lawrence are for sure. Uh, the other three, I think there's, I think there's a good chance that, that we could see all three of them. Uh, better, better chance that we see all three of them as opposed to none of them. You know? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. That's all righty. If Novak Djokovic wins the U.S. Open, cleans house on the majors this year, he's three or four right now. He'll get his twenty-first major. He'll break the tie between Federer and Nadal. Does he solidify himself as the greatest men's tennis player ever? Um, hard question, because personally, no. 
Personally, no, because take the fact that he's I, a dick out of it. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Um, I think you need to do more than than win the most to be the best. I still think that Federer and Nadal have bigger legacies than he does. Nadal in the French Open and and Federer at Wimbledon. But here's what I'll say: if the twenty first doesn't do it, every other title after that will just make it so far impossible to see it. And he's still got so many titles to win. Where Federer and Nadal might have one in each of them still with the injuries that they're suffering. Um, do I think the next one is going to make him the the? I think this stretch will will finally give him the tie with the three of them legacy wise. I think you can't say that anymore. Um, this is the one last thing against him. So this is going to put him on par with them greatest tennis players of all time. And the next one will put him over. Um, I just think he has so much more potential to win four or five more. So he's just going to pat stat, you know, pat his stats from now on. You know, he's just going to pad them and keep winning and keep being dominant. I hate him, but yeah, he's the, he's going to be the greatest tennis player of all time. I don't, I'm going to wait the longest I can to give it to him, but he's going to be. To concede it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, if he does it, he'll have the most Grand Slams. He'll be the only men's player to ever win all four Grand Slams in one year. And honestly, part of the reason I, I give him the nod, even right now, I think, over uh, Nadal and Federer, he's the only one out of those three that's won multiple tournaments at each tournament. Um, obviously, Nadal has you know an, an insane amount of wins at the French Open, but that's such a massive, like, majority of his wins he only has one australian open uh federer only has one french open so the fact that he got that second french open this year for djokovic and and then could do you know all four grand slams it's it's tough to argue against it all right last one argentina copa america winner italy euro winner who do you take in that matchup italy italy i'm sorry argentina you know you you got to play soup you got you only had to play brazil I, like, I'm sorry. Every other team in South America is a mess right now. Um, and you have a great team. I think that you can do well. Um, but Italy is such a, a more composed team and so understands their identity better, where I still think Argentina looks like a, a chicken with their head cut off sometimes. Um, and granted, Italy doesn't have a Messi, um, but Italy has a lot of other pieces. And Italy had to do... Italy had to do a lot more to get this championship. I'm happy for Messi. I'm glad he finally has a trophy to his name. It kind of gets that duck off his back. But if you're telling me who I think is going to lift the World Cup next uh, in two years, it's not going to be Argentina that I pick between those two. I don't think it's going to be either of those two. But if I have to pick, it's not going to be Argentina. So it'll be Italy. Yeah, I, th- I think I probably, I think I probably lean with you there too. Messi, though, you know, he's the great, he's the great equalizer of anything. Uh, it will yeah, be I mean, interesting to see. Fun. It will be interesting too to see how Argentina plays in that World Cup. Now that they've got, I mean, obviously the Copa America doesn't match up to the World Cup, but it it's still a major tournament. Does getting Messi that one? Do they come into it with with not only more confidence, but also less like pressure of like, oh, we better make sure we get this done for Messi? Um, it'll be interesting to see. All righty, you're off the hot seat. Thank you. Hi guys, again, for joining us. It's been so nice to be back doing this with my guy, Jan. It's been an absolute blast. Uh, each time we've stopped the recording, we've just been like, man, it's so much fun to, to be talking sports again. So it's Hell so much yeah. fun to be doing this. Um, thank you for listening. We'll be back with you another week. Jan, what do you have for the beautiful people? 
Uh, you know, it's it's still, I, I hate to be saying this after because two and a half months. I was just going to say, I'm not going to tell you to wear a mask or get vaccinated because I'm not your fucking babysitter. And also, if you're yeah. waiting for a podcast to tell you to do it, then we've got bigger issues. Right. What I'm going to say mere, is- If me or Jan telling you to do something is what changes your mind, then I don't know what the fuck's wrong with you. I agree. Don't take, uh, if, if our advice is the first you take, you're going to go down a weird path in your life. Right. So, uh, yeah. But uh, forget what I'll the say CD, is- Forget the CDC. It's two beers, please, that I listen to. Right, exactly. This is an NPR. This is an NPR. Um, no, but uh, just continue to stay safe out there. Be vigilant. I'm not going to tell you what to do either. That's fair. And I will say one more thing. It is my goal for this season two to not call Matt by the name with which he does not like to be called. I'm going to try to hold it up. I think first episode I did it. So we're good. Uh, Nobody's yet. No, not none of them. I'm not even going to try to say the word as, a, as an example. I'm just not going to say it. So there you go. That's a that's an admirable goal, and I'll tell you what, I'll appreciate it. <laughs> Cheers, y'all.